Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hope you're having a great day. Welcome to another episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Getting down to the end of July, heading into August long weekend tomorrow. And a little bit of a slow period on the NHL calendar, although a signing that um, probably made a few Jet fans groan last night elsewhere in the National Hockey League. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, lots coming up on today's show. It's been a minute since we talked Blue Jays. And the Jays are hot right now. Last night's loss to the St. Louis Cardinals notwithstanding. So I'm looking forward to catching up with Keegan Matheson again and having Keegan back on the program. Um, we'll uh, discuss the uh, the Jays at this point in the season, how they're looking heading into the trade deadline, and uh, just discuss the performance of the team overall, as well as the impact of the new manager, John Schneider, who took over just a couple weeks ago in Toronto. We'll certainly hit the National Hockey League offseason. Latest on the Jets and elsewhere around the league, Brandon Rewicki will pop on. And then later on in the program, after bomber practice, Patty the Batty himself, Pat Newfeld of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, is going to join us. Good news. Pat was back on the field today in practice and uh, looks to be a player in that big game coming up on Saturday night with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers taking on the Calgary Stampeders. And as promised yesterday, shout out to our good friends at Canadian Club. We've got a couple pairs of tickets for Valor FC to give away. We'll... Uh, fire up the wheel of winners a little bit later on after our guests and uh, send a couple folks out to the game on Saturday afternoon. And uh, Saturday should be a great day. Valor game at 2 p.m. at home. And then everyone will find a good spot 6 p.m. to watch the Winnipeg Blue Bombers take on the Calgary Stampeders. And in the meantime, Gold Eyes at home. Big win last night against the Chicago Dogs. They're back at it again tonight. And then the Lake County Dock Hounds coming in on the weekend. So plenty of great sporting options despite the Bombers being on the road with the local soccer team and baseball team over the next few days. A big shout out to all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health, F Apparel, Aikens Lake, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, and of course our friends at Assiniboia Downs, who by the way right now um, would have loved to have been out there um, previewing the big Manitoba Derby coming up on Monday. We'll hopefully have Darren Dunn jump on the program tomorrow and give us the uh, lay of the land for the biggest race of the year out at Assiniboia Downs. But uh, without further ado, before we get to a little Blue Jays baseball talk with Keegan Matheson, then Brandon and Pat Newfeld, let's get Michael Remus here in here to get things going. What's going on? Yeah, big sports weekend. Shout out to the chat. People mentioning SummerSlam on Saturday, and also UFC. How could I have forgot that? How yeah, could I have UFC, that? There's big UFC, too. So there is a big, long weekend of sports, and kind of feels like it's not quite Friday, but I don't know. I feel like I have the long weekend blues starting early. I felt it yesterday. Wait, wait a second. Yeah. There's no such thing as the long weekend blues. Yeah, it's leading up before the long weekend. There's scary su the Sunday scaries no. when you have to go to work. You can make, but I mean, what what could one possibly be blue about a long weekend? Isn't that the exact opposite of that? Wait, you oh. love the show so much, you're really upset that we're going to have three days without a program, and that's making you sort of down, Reem? What's it called when you're like the week leading up to the long weekend? 
when you're just like, ugh, I just need the long weekend to be here. Not saying well, I don't love don't mail love... it in Friday. Mail it in Friday yeah. often happens uh, with many folks when uh, yeah. You're not just saying right I, I don't it. love doing this. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying you know what? Uh, look, sometimes you're just like ready, ready for the long weekend. I don't know. Well, a big part of it is the fact that it's pretty slow right now. I mean, obviously, we've got a lot of anticipation and excitement yeah. for the Bomber game against the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday. Uh, but I will say this, after such a juicy offseason for the Winnipeg Jets and a lot of wild stories between the coaching search and obviously everything that's happened with Pierre-Luc Dubois, yeah. now that PLD spoke on Monday, which certainly was great for the show and got a lot of people talking, now we get to this point where, in a lot of ways, it's sort of a hurry up and wait. And um, listen, the waiting uh, patience, as we mentioned before, maybe not the uh, best virtue of most fans by definition. Um, but I will say this. I kind of understand some impatience from Jet fans this year because of the way the season ended last year, the expectations of so many about some significant changes. And right now we're looking at some significant losses in Paul Stastny, albeit who's still an unrestricted free agent. We'll get to some of the uh, pending UFAs or uh, remaining UFAs in a minute. Eric Comrie's gone. Big Save Dave is in for him. Um, and a guy like Evgeny Svechnikov, who was still um, out on the market. So there's still some holes in the lineup, but many of the changes that people thought that had happened haven't. And as I mentioned yesterday on the show, uh, I, I'm getting more and more skeptical that if some of these deals are going to be able to be made, in particular the one with the captain, Blake Wheeler. And honestly, that just comes down to one simple thing. It's the market right now. And... I guess we will find out how serious the Winnipeg Jets are on really making that change over right now because I think it's obviously not been easy to do. Uh, I don't think they've had an appetite uh, on eating the majority of the contract. I certainly don't think that they'll be considering a buyout. And if that's the case, um, I think there's a good chance right now, at least from where I sit, that you know we might be talking a lot about last year at the beginning of this year when uh, many of the same characters are back, albeit under a new head coach and Rick bonus ream. Yeah. As the time ticks down, I will say we were on such a high since the end of the season with uh trots watch and, you know, the last couple of days with Pierre-Luc Dubois. And now we're kind of just sitting around waiting and waiting for something to happen with this roster because we've talked about it all week. They're going in to this season Probably worse than last year on a team that didn't make the playoffs. You're losing Stasny. You haven't replaced Cop. Um, and here we are saying, oh, this is this is what we're talking about today, that, oh, they missed out on Danton Heinen, who scored 18 goals. Ken Weeb reporting yesterday after the show that they made him an offer that was better than the one he accepted in Pittsburgh. He accepted a one-year, one million. And he chose... That and he's just insane, by the way, how cheap that deal is. And he chose to return to his elbow, returning to the Penguins and trying to chase the Stanley Cup with Crosby and and Malkin. So, like, there are still guys. Evan Rodriguez is one guy the Penguins uh, haven't brought back. And I guess players will have to decide: do you take, you know, a cheap one-year deal to try and win, or do you want to get paid, or do you try to wait it out next year and try to get paid more if the cap goes up and more teams have money and. I agree with you. I don't. I can't really see any trades coming down unless you know something happens in training camp where a player gets injured and team all of a sudden has a ton of cap space and you, and maybe you do something then. But 
Um, I think it's going to be slow this month. Uh, you know, we have the, what, Appleton arbitration on the 11th? And that's oh, about it. That's I, about it. There's no way that gets to arbitration. Well, what, you can't figure it out to give him like $1.2 million? Yeah, I, I will. I'll, I'll say this right now. I will be stunned if that if they actually get to the point. I mean, it shouldn't, and I can't imagine it will be that difficult to find um, a middle ground between the two. And I think that they really like Mason Appleton. They reacquired him. I don't think that they want to go through that process. I mean, unless they're ridiculously far apart and really do need the arbitrator. Um, but again, there's quite a bit of time. It's one of the last, if not the last arbitration date is um, the 11th for Mason Appleton. So we'll see on that. But the Heinen, listen, Heinen was a guy that we've talked about on the program before that I thought would have been a great fit in the middle six for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, the fact that he ended up going back to Pittsburgh on a one-year deal for $1 million tells you a couple things. One, the squeeze on that middle and lower class in the National Hockey League is very much real. Um, but as Ken reported, the Jets were one of multiple NHL teams to offer Danton Heinen, I believe, significantly more than that one-year, $1 million deal that he signed. Um, and, you know, for Heinen, where he's at in his career, they're obviously the lure of staying in Pittsburgh and being a part of a team that has Sidney Crosby and is bringing back Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang and really trying to take another run at it. Obviously was attractive, attractive enough to leave some significant money on the table. Probably not leaving Johnny Gaudreau 15 million on the table. Um, but the bottom line is this was not a financially motivated decision. Um, and that's unfortunate for teams like the Winnipeg Jets, where um, you know, often when it comes down to free agent, they're bidding against other teams that may have a leg up on them on location, taxes, all of those things. Uh, but if a player wants to play with the legend and stay with the team, it's pretty tough, even if you offer them more money to get them to turn around. And um, that was the situation with Heinen. So he was one of those three players we talked a lot about, Remo. It was him, Sonny Milano, Evan Rodriguez. Milano and Rodriguez still out there right now. Um, so whether they add to the roster through free agency, a couple more depth pieces, or potentially a bigger trade that, as we've been discussing, seems like they're uh, harder to pull off than um than they've been in the past, although you know I saw what Calgary did last week. Um gonna be really interesting to see how this shakes out because there are some significant holes right now with the Winnipeg Jets. And I do wonder, haven't heard anything about it. Maybe this is something that next week we'll sort of get into. You wonder if there's been any circling back with Paul Stastny, although, you know, considering that it's pretty much the same guys in the room. And what Stastny had to say at the end of last season, um, I think it's pretty clear that he was looking at other options before Winnipeg, but at the same time, doesn't have a deal yet. So I imagine anything's on the table. Yeah, I'm looking at the Jets' top scorers from last year. Um, here's the list. Stastny, what, was fifth with 21 goals, and then Cop chipped in 13 in 56 games. You don't have anyone replacing those guys. And we're so I guess there are still, you know, you could bring in Rodriguez or or Milano. I think these guys are taking their time. We, we did talk about at the end of the show yesterday how John Klingberg fired his agent and went to one of the big guys in Newport Sports Management. So Maybe a bunch of guys miscalculated the market, thought they were going to get more. And now they're kind of holding out and waiting and waiting and seeing. So it's going to be different for some of those guys available. But there, I do agree there are still holes on this roster that, that need to get filled. 
Uh, so if this team thinks they're going to, you know, improve on last season. Yeah, and, and hey, I mean, the guys that whatever the 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 additions for in the roster, uh, you know, if you're if Wheeler's back, if Mark Shifley's back, Dubois back, if all those players, I mean, there's not a lot of room in and around the top six. I imagine Cole Perfetti's going to get an opportunity to play there, and hopefully he can sort of fit in, stay healthy, and <clears throat> have a strong full season. Um, but it is that depth part. And and the third and fourth line was a bit of a black hole at times for the Jets last year. I mean, I thought Adam Lowry had a monster second half of the season, uh, but it was a revolving door around his wings for the most part on most of the year. And um, there wasn't a lot of offensive production in the first 50 games or so um, for he or that line. Um, and the fourth line was insignificant on most nights. And that is something I know the Jets are going to want to change under Rick Bonus. whether he can be the guy that sort of turns that around, empowers those players on those bottom two lines to play a little bit more and have more success. We will see. But they certainly do need another body or two, especially up front. And I guess the other possibility is, you know, you do a salary in, salary out trade involving one of the blue liners that we've talked about. Mubadach would also give them room for younger defensemen like Billy Hainala, like Dylan Sandberg, um, Johnny Kovacevic, who's got another deal. Um, if one of those players is traded, potentially you are, because I mean, right now it is a money in, money out situation for a lot of teams. Um, that could also be an option. But let's take a look at some of the players that are still available right now as unrestricted free agents. And you know, obviously there's some guys that were making big money last year that don't have deals right now. P.K. Subban finished up his uh, $9 million cap hit salary. He's the, the most expensive player. And, of course, well, we heard quite a bit of Phil in the chat last week when it was National Hot Dog Day. We were more debating whether ketchup belongs on hot dogs, but there was quite a few folks that thought it would be time to mention Phil Kessel. Patrice Bergeron, if he's back, is going to be in Boston. Louis Erickson, I believe, is heading back overseas you got Anton Strahlman, an older defenseman who's finishing up a 5-5 contract. Don't expect him. You have to go down to Nazem Kadri, who by salary last year was the eighth highest paid player on this list at a very reasonable $4.5 million that had that monster season. He's still waiting to sign a contract. And it is amazing, Reem. I mean, you mentioned Klingberg signing, uh, firing his agent. Um, there were a number of players that got their money when free agency started. The guy that I think we thought would be right at the top of the list, just behind Johnny Gaudreau and Kadri, still doesn't have it. I still believe that they're trying to find a way in Colorado to move out some money and to sign Nazem Kadri. Um, but if that doesn't happen, you wonder what his options are. And uh, it's just quite obvious that not necessarily just because you're coming to unrestricted free agency, you'll be uh, hitting a home run. Because if there was ever anyone that hit a home run in a contract year, it was Nazem Kadri winning the cup, being such a monster player, both regular season and in the playoffs, not having any of the big screw-ups that cost his team in the past. And the fact that he doesn't have a deal right now, I think is one of the big stories of the offseason. Yeah, I, I agree with you. John Klingberg firing his agent too now after not ha not having a deal. You know, Paul Stasny also, he had a career. I thought he was going to get paid, but... 36 years old, you know, I'm not kind of not sure what he's looking for. I think maybe they are waiting for Colorado to shake something out. Are they trying to trade Sam Gerrard? I was surprised. I'm still surprised. I mentioned this a couple of times that they just pounced on Josh Manson. Um, they probably felt they didn't have that type of type of defenseman. But uh, you know, what are we? July 28. We got a month left. I think figure some of this stuff out and. 
And I'm looking at some of these players, and there's Sonny Milano. He had 34 points in 66 games last year. 14 goals. That'd be pretty pretty solid on, on the Jets. I think he would fit in well, but I don't know. He doesn't want to move away from uh, the West Coast to <clears throat> in Winnipeg, where it's a bit chillier. It, it, that's a tough one-way ticket, going from Anaheim to Winnipeg, especially if you know you're going to be there all winter, granted. Um, but I think a player like Milano you know, has to also be looking for what's the best opportunity he can be in mm-hmm. um, maybe to build off what'll be a one or a two year deal and then turn that into, you know, some more security and obviously a big pay raise. And I would argue that the Winnipeg Jets, um, you know, for a player like Milano would provide that opportunity. Stastny is a very different situation. I mean, at 36 years old, he's probably signing a one year deal. But it's hard to get around how important he was for the Jets last year. I mean, you called it 21 goals, 45 points on the season, and such an impactful guy in the locker room as well. Um, and I think that he'll be missed in a number of ways. You know, we do you do wonder whether there might be a circling back at some point. Um, Zach Aston Reese is another player that, you know, could be some sort of a depth guy. Um, and we've talked about Evan Rodriguez, and you know, Rodriguez only made a million bucks last year. Um, he's on, he was on the Danton Heinen yeah. contract, but you want to talk about making the most of it, scoring 19 goals and 43 points, um, just over half a point a game and playing every single game for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, Hey, he was, you know, benefited from some pretty nice line mates, um, but did it consistently and is a right shot too. And that's something the Winnipeg Jets have barely any of up front in their forward core. So I certainly would imagine that that's a guy the Winnipeg Jets are sniffing around. But um, time is ticking, and for each day you don't get one of those guys signed, there's the potential that their name goes off the list signing with one of the uh, other teams in the NHL. Yeah, Zach Aston Reese was uh, he was named in a Kevin Weeks tweet earlier today. As uh, uh, keep an eye on oh, series, keep an eye on series, love it. Keep an eye on. He was skating at the Devils practice facility he's checked in nothing on that currently situation remains fluid so we are keeping an eye on who's who's left for uh free agency here but i kind of agree that you really saw when they were trying to make a power play the jets are trying to put units together having two right shots of the nine and <laughs> was a problem and before the start of the season people came in our chat and we're like, they don't have any right shots. I'm like, eh, it's fine. They'll figure it out. It's, you, have, you have good players. They're, look, they're projected to make the playoffs. Not a big deal. But when you're trying to put together, you know, power plays and you need one-timers and set up uh, passing, you only have two right shots. Bit of a, it caused, I think it caused problems for them when uh, creating some of their units. Well, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it was a challenge, I think, for, um, you know, for the coaching staff to uh, try to find some different ways of setting things up. And obviously, I mean, at times the power play was fine last year. At times, though, it did look a little bit lost, much like the team did overall. Uh, But all of those things um, are going to be up for review Mm -hmm. and probably significantly changed one way or the other by Rick Bonus and his staff. Uh, that he's put together over the course of this offseason. Uh, but beyond those players, there's not very many other guys that are really eye-catching that would be anything other than league minimum guys. Although, I know there's a few folks in the chat, including our friend Bridget that came out to Assiniboia Downs with the WST crew a few weeks ago, that have uh, our old pal Matthew Perot circled on it. And um, I mean, Perot, I think, can still play in a depth role in a fourth line. I mean, uh, he certainly would be playing for his career. 
Um, you know, only got in 25 games last year, had four goals, five assists for nine points. Uh, maybe he gets another chance, but I think that's a level of player sort of below what the Jets would be interested in right now because they do have some money to spend and they certainly do have some holes. Best case scenario would be somehow convince Paul Stassi to come back, in my opinion. Um, but I think Evan Rodriguez being a bit of a younger player at 28 years old coming off the season that he had would be a guy that would have some interest as well. Bottom line is for everyone that had their heart set on potentially getting Danton Heinen here to Winnipeg, that's not happening as he turned down significantly more money from a number of NHL teams, according to Ken Weave, to stay with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And um, hey, if it's not all about money, it's a pretty damn good place to be playing your NHL career. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to play with uh, Crosby and try to chase a cup? So here we are, uh, August, Rodriguez watch. We're waiting. <laughs> we'll be searching the rumor mill every day. Um so we'll We're have to scratching wait scratching the bottom of the barrel for cranking out a Rodriguez watch on the Winnipeg Sports and Talk need, right now. They need scoring. <laughs> uh, they need some depth scoring. As you said, you didn't get anything from the bottom six last year, barely. And you know, you just lost Stasny and Cobb. How who's replacing them? I guess Perfetti. You can maybe pencil him in for what? Yeah, 40, 45 points. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see here. There was a couple of signings yesterday. Um, by the Jets, well, actually more by the Manitoba Moose. Um, Colin Billick, who's 25, a former from Army, who had 31 points in 34 games. He was the captain of the team and was named to the uh, East Second All-Star, uh, All-American team, and the AHA First All-Star team, both 20 and 21. And the Jet, or the Moose also signed Joseph Nardi from Northern Michigan University, who had 14 points in 21 games. He was uh, part of the WCHA second all-star team and earned all academic team honors in 2021. And he also was the team captain in the final two seasons with the program. So it sounds like they're getting some players with some potential, obviously older players that are going to come in, try and cut their teeth in the American Hockey League. These guys do have some leadership qualities, obviously, as being captains for the last couple of years. Uh, but I don't think, Greenwood, that either of these individuals will um, – project to make any sort of an impact at the National Hockey League level this year. Although we have seen before players come in on this sort of an arrangement. Brandon Tanna was a perfect example of a guy that, you know, came out of college, got an opportunity in some games and never looked back. So, um, but we just wanted to mention those more depth signings for the American Hockey League, still leaving some significant holes up with the big club. Um, we'll talk about this more with Ruwicki, get his thoughts on what the Jets may or may not be doing, what the best course of action going forward, and of course his thoughts on the plan of action to handle the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation coming into the season and into next year after everything that we heard from Monday from the Winnipeg Jets Center. Hey, Rim, before we, before we get to um, Keegan Matheson and some Blue Jays talk, uh, did you notice that the Live Golf Invitational at Bedminster had their had their pro am today? Um, you know they've only played the fifty four holes. So you can have the Thursday to uh, hang out with some of the corporate sponsors. And uh, what a group of amateurs in with the pro ams, including the first tee time off, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, and Donald Trump and his son Eric. Yeah, there were some, I mean, this is quite the group, Huss. Um, I wasn't sure, you know, I bet on Liv yesterday because Feinberg gave us that uh, Bryson 
play. And then you know, I didn't re- know if it started Friday to Sunday or Thursday to Saturday because it's only with the three-day tournament. But you were telling me about the Pro-Am here. It's quite a group of... Quite a group of individuals. This is wild. And I mean, Bryson, I think, is a big Trump guy. He used to have a Trump thing on his bag. So he'll be, I'm sure, all excited and fired up about this. A um, couple of other interesting individuals that are in. The full Sen guy, Kyle Forgard's there, playing with Henrik Stenson and Martin Kamer. Uh, Stenson, by the way, has been replaced by Luke Donald as the Ryder Cup captain after uh, losing that opportunity when he defected to live. And Paul Casey and Ian Poulter playing with Haley Ostrom, who I think was on one of the big breaks, and Caitlyn Jenner. And then Clay Travis is teeing it up with Brooks Kepka and Pat Perez. Um, but probably the most eyes will be on outside of that first group that I mentioned for obvious reasons. Charles Barkley playing with Sergio Garcia and Louis Oosthuizen. And um, today is the day, Reem. Charles said that when he leaves the tournament on Thursday, he better have his offer and he'll let them know. Um, he's basically floated it out that he's making $20 million, and if the live people will triple it to 60 he's probably in. Uh, and that will be one of the biggest sports media stories. And for all the golf people that are pissed off with Liv and what it's done to the world of golf, just wait till they take Charles Barkley from the NBA pregame show on TNT and see what the blowback from that's going to be. Yeah, and I was listening to the uh, Marshand and Orand sports media podcast last night, and that's a big story. For them, Charles Barkley. Barkley said on Dan Patrick, he's making about twenty million a year right now. That's ten from Turner T on TNT and ten from endorsements. And he knows that he'll probably lose endorsements if he goes to live. But I mean, so he said he would go for sixty million. I do think, or they did say on the podcast that Turner will probably up Charles Barkley's pay because we've seen what Troy Aikman and Joe Bach are getting from ESPN this year. The salaries on the big networks for these primetime sports have been like over well and what about brady's contract yeah isn't so, brady getting 37 and a half million a year and that's just whenever he decides to finish playing and he rolls into the booth mm-hmm. i mean make it twice as much i mean it's a good time to be charles barkley it's a great time to be tony romo uh aikman all of the big key impactful commentators that bring in eyeballs uh and there's few of them but those guys are incredibly in demand. And um, I just would have never thought that Barkley is one of the worst golfers on the planet. And a basketball guy would be potentially joining David Faraday in this outlaw league. Interesting to see. Interesting to see some of the comments in the chat on live. Loafer bread Stenson, the ultimate sellout. Yeah. I mean, Stenson sucks now. I mean, it's they're not getting him because they think he's going to be a great draw or be like a great golfer. I mean, they did it essentially to disrupt the Ryder Cup to, um, well, basically to get a get a, a head of um, a Ryder Cup captain um, and obviously everything that goes with that. So it is unfortunate. B. Henderson, live better than PGA. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, it looks like a glorified member guest, to be honest, when you're watching them play. Um, And they do have some incredible players. I mean, DJ is there. We heard Bubba is leaving for reportedly 50 million bucks. I mean, go get it, Bubba, probably. I mean, the most part, for the most part, these guys that have jumped at the money, like Phil, everyone basically other than Bryson, DJ, Abe Answer, and a few others, are sort of well into the back nine of their career and frankly aren't that competitive playing against the best in the world on the PGA Tour. Uh, 
but they're going to be making some big, big bank on the live tour. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more tomorrow when the event gets going. My guy, Tony Finau, eight under par at the, um, at the event in Detroit this week and Canadian Taylor Pendrith, the cool bet guy. He's at seven under par. We'll get to a little update on that. All right. We are going to talk some blue Jays right away. Lost last night, but it's been a great start under John Schneider. Things have really turned around. Um, but before we do that, um, a big shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market who have great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Get your barbecue on with delicious lean bison steaks or chicken, hot dogs, burgers, non-alcoholic drink options like Sober Carpenter beer and Clever Mocktails as well. And hey, if you can make it down to one of the stores, visit their new fully shoppable website to buy online, schedule a delivery, or in-store pickup. And, uh, of course, you like supporting local and Vita Health is a great local company carrying an amazing selection of local products too. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. Great summer sale happening down at F Apparel. Uh, you need to uh, get that wardrobe ready to go for fall when everything sort of gets back to business after the Labor Day long weekend. F Apparel is the spot. Great sale right now. Three custom shirts for just $210. I can tell you I was in last week and fitted by Andrew and the gang. Just an amazing selection. Any kind, any style, fabric, pattern, they've got it. And when it comes to custom suits, they are the leader in Winnipeg custom suits starting at $400. And they are sweet. Um, check them out online. F Apparel. That's E-P-H apparel.com. Pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street. And fellas, if you're in a wedding party or planning one, make sure to talk to them about a great group discount, 15% off when you and the fellas get the suits from F Apparel. Um, Wallace and Wallace, busy, busy right now. Of course, they're the fencing leaders in town, overhead door specialist, but they also got you covered for the boathouse. I mean, if you're ripping around on the lake on the long weekend and the boathouse door catches your eye, chances are it's one of theirs. Uh, they, you can choose between a steel or aluminum door, polycarbonate or glass panels, and a design that's perfect for your little piece of paradise. And with galvanized tracks and springs to protect against rust, you know their doors are built to stand up of challenges of life at the lake. And hey, if you do think your boathouse door could use some TLC, now the high water's receded, you can give them a call to arrange a service visit at 204-452-2700. Hit them up online at wallacedoors.com or check out their showroom over on Lawson Road. And my countdown is on to Aikens Lake. I was checking out the Twitter feed yesterday at Aikens and some more monster master anglers coming out there, some more century clubs. I'm hoping that I can come back with some great stories of victory on the lake. Uh, but to be perfectly honest, catching a big one or not, the trip to Aikens Lake, the highlight of my year every single year. And we cannot wait to get out there. If you're thinking about a one-of-a-kind fly-in fishing experience here in Manitoba, where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. Find out more on all their social channels at Aikens Lake and check them out online at AikensLake.com. All right, we'll get back to some hockey talk and maybe a little NFL offseason as well with Rowicki. Uh, Patty Newfeld's going to join us to get ready for Bomber Stamps on Saturday night. But right now, it's been a minute since we've talked Blue Jays, and it's great to welcome Keegan Matheson in for the latest on Canada's Major League team. Keegan, what's going on? How's the summer been? 
Hey, it's going very well. Going well. The Blue Jays are picking it up again lately. Everybody's uh, back and tuned in. You know, kind of my life gets a little busier when the NHL playoffs end, too. So everyone's uh, everyone's paying attention again to the Blue Jays. It's been a good run. Well, and uh, lots of reasons to pay attention right now. A, uh, a great run as of late. I mean, you know, before we get to looking ahead, I mean, overall, how would you categorize this season? Because it has seemed to be somewhat, I mean, good so far. They've got a nice record, but it really has been a lot of ups and downs without a ton of consistency overall. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, an interesting way to go through this. Interesting. This was supposed to be a team with a great rotation, a fantastic lineup. And at times, neither have been true. Uh, at times, you know, one has had to carry the other. And it, it reminds me, again, next year in spring training, I need to give up uh, previewing seasons. It's, it's been a lesson that, uh, you know, no matter what you think will happen, no matter how certain it looks, it's not going to happen that way. So I, I think the Blue Jays have been disappointing at times. They've underachieved at times. But where they are now is still a very good team. It's one of the best records in the American League. They are firmly in a playoff spot and opening up, I think, those three wildcard spots changes how we and how I look at all of this. You know, when you are looking at a recent skid like the Blue Jays had before the break, back in the one wildcard or even two wildcards setup, that's pretty ugly. But now that you have three wildcards, you can skid for a month and still pull it out of the ditch in time to, to reach the postseason. So they're they're doing that right now. And uh, currently playing their best baseball of the season. Well, and of course, that's coincided with uh, the Schneider, the new manager, taking over. But um, before we get to the new manager, I quickly wanted to ask you about the old one. Uh, what ended up being the undoing for Charlie? Yeah, it's always going to be the manager who takes the fall when, when there's a bad run. And that's not just baseball. It goes in any sports. And the Blue Jays were on that ugly run. I think a 1-9 uh, skid they were on, 1-6 on a road trip over the West Coast. And this is a classic scenario that gets a manager fired, which is a very good roster that's not doing it right now. And it's difficult to quantify a managerial change. Just like it's the, the same thing I say every year when I'm voting for manager of the year. I don't know how to measure a manager. And I think it's important to say that when there's a firing or a hiring as well. It's, there's not a metric we can measure them by. Even when we're looking in-game at reliever choices, hit and run choices, pinch hitters. So much of that is coming from other coaches, from the front office. It's, it's so very collaborative now. So the, the change was made to shake things up and to wake up the clubhouse, frankly. Now, ideally, that's not something you need to do in the middle of a professional sports season in any sport, but it's worked. You know, having a different voice, and John Schneider is a different voice. He's a different energy, a, a different uh, style of management. It has been working so far. You're, you're really seeing it immediately. You know what, what I found interesting is after the firing, I mean, a few players, including Bo Bichette, sort of publicly said that, yeah, it was time. And, you know, Charlie seemed to be pretty popular with the players before. I mean, those aren't comments you often hear from big leaguers, even if they totally feel that way after a guy gets a pink slip. That's right. Yeah, I think that this team and these young players are used to winning. And especially for young guys. Now, if you are a player who's been around the league for 10 years, chances are you've played for a bad team that sucked. Not sucked in a rebuilding way where you know better years are coming, but chances are you've been on a team that was just plain bad with no hope next year either. So veteran players might be able to look at that differently. But for young players who have won 
not just in, in pro ball, but coming up to the minor leagues, going back to high school, college, they were probably the best player on the best team in their town. You're used to winning. So when that's not happening, or when your team is underachieving for one of the first times in your life, you do look for a change. You look for why. You know, it, it's not the energy, it's not the experience that you're used to. So that's why you did hear that from some of the players, I believe, with, uh, you know, Bo having that comment where he said that uh, he didn't disagree with it. You know, it's, um, I, I think across the board, Charlie had the respect of those players. You know, he, he came up with them, developed them through 19, 20, 21. And what he did managing a team on the road, I think deserves a hell of a lot of respect, you know, because he was put in a position to manage people as much as ball players, because these are young kids, 22, 24, 26, who are trying to move their families around the U.S., Buffalo, Dunedin, wherever they were playing. And, and Montoya was put in charge of managing, you know, that more human side of it as well. So his, his stint as manager with the Blue Jays, I believe he ended with an even 500 record, but it was by far, by far the most unique managerial stint and, and challenge uh, probably of any manager we've seen the Blue Jays have. Of course, they passed the torch at least temporarily on an interim basis, although it looks good with the start to Don Schne John Schneider. I mean, hey, we all know this is a results-based business. The results have been very good for the Blue Jays since the changeover. Um, how impactful has he been? And I mean, you're around the club. What's he like and how different is it under Schneider than it was under Charlie? Yeah, you're seeing a team that's a lot more aggressive now frankly, on the bases, and that Blue Jays want to be more aggressive. They want to be stealing bases, stretching singles into doubles, doing a hit and run, and that's the way it should be, frankly. This team on paper is better than the team they're going to be playing almost every night. Now, that doesn't matter for much, of course. The worst team in baseball can come sweep the Blue Jays easily. It happens. But when you are the better team, you need to be the aggressor. You need to be controlling the pace of play, and I know that applies more in the NBA or the NHL where there's constant movements. You're not moving in segments like you are in baseball, but you can still control that as a baseball team. We're seeing more of that from the Blue Jays under Schneider. And that energy matches. You know, Schneider is 42, I believe, came up in this organization, was drafted almost 20 years ago, and has always been headed for this spot. You know, he is a guy with a lot of respect around the league. I, I think if the Blue Jays had not named him the interim man. Uh, he would have gotten it elsewhere this offseason. Interim, I think, is just a temporary word. I see him here long-term. Uh, I see him being the face of this long-term very easily, actually. And I, I think the players have reacted well, you know, immediately taking that energy. And it's the word you hear over and over, energy. Whether it be from George Springer, Ross Stripling, some younger guys in this team, players who have played for multiple managers are, are really buying in immediately, which is good to see. Uh, it certainly is. I mean, they, and there's so much young energy in this group, although they've got some more experience right now. And I think that, you know, has maybe helped them weather what happened earlier in the season. And obviously uh, now still with the Herculean task of chasing down the New York Yankees with that crazy record at the top of the division, um, things are going well. When you look at the batting lineup right now, I mean, I'm a huge Alejandro Kirk guy. It was so cool to see him go to the All-Star game. Such a unique player. Um, but you know the key players are Vladdy, Bo Bichette, George Springer. Overall, how would you assess the performance of the Stars right now in the Blue Jays up until this point in the season? Getting better, but the Blue Jays need a little more. I think George Springer has been maybe an underrated story 
for the Blue Jays this year. You're seeing what he can be when he's healthy, which we didn't see much of last year. And this is such a talented player across the board, too. His speed, his defense, you've seen more this year. George Springer is such a talented player. And there's a reason he got six years, $150 million. They don't give that to anybody. But I think it's taken Blue Jays fans a little to see what that looks like night in and night out. And having him as your leadoff man is ridiculous. That's an incredible advantage for the Blue Jays. I think Springer's been great this year. Now, Vladdy, it's taken a little time. He's looked a lot better lately, though. And hitting some ground balls again, which was his problem a couple of years ago. But when Vladdy's lifting the ball in the air, everything he hits is hard. And his defense has improved. So I think you're going to see that come along. He looks better in that number two hole. I like him in that number two hole. Springer, Vladdy, and Kirk, I think is a perfect top three. I think that makes a ton of sense. Bo Bichette is the guy they need to get going, frankly, at this point. He, he hit 298 last year, I believe. Almost stole 30 bases, too. He was almost a 30-30 guy. But he hasn't really gotten rolling. And I think you are going to see that soon. But some pitchers have really targeted his aggression at the plates. And I remember down in spring training, Bo looked amazing. Like, he looked like he was due for a legitimate breakout superstar year. Not just all-star, but a superstar season down in spring training. So that's in there. Everybody knows how good he is. Uh, His defense has been less of a conversation this year, which is good. That shows some progress. But his bat, when he gets going and he's jumping on opposing pitchers, is pretty special. Uh, Really needs to take some strides there. Again, you know, the strikeouts have been an issue not hitting for average, not reaching base enough. But I think that number four hole will be a little more natural for him. And when Bo gets going, he's kind of the last one in line to really get going. We've seen it from Guriel, Fernandez, Matt Chapman looks better now. When Bichette gets going, that's when this lineup just gets ridiculous. Yeah, and you mentioned Matt Chapman. I mean, he was a big offseason acquisition. And, you know, part of the narrative of bringing Chapman in was that he was so good defensively, that might have an effect on Bo Bichette making him a better overall and more efficient uh, defensive player. Um, how is Chapman added to the mix right now? And um, do people get sort of maybe, are they thrown off the scent by seeing a 241 average with the uh, the power that he hits for and how often he gets on base as opposed to guys that might be batting with the 20% better batting average? Yeah, the average does kind of skew that a bit. And that's something John Schneider said a few times, that it's a, a very quiet performance from him this year, but he's been good. And he is coming around now. And Chapman said prior to the All-Star break, so this was a couple of weeks ago, that he kind of took a look at his own game. There was one day where his average was down 219, 220. And he said, this is not who I am. It's time to make some changes in season. And that requires a bit of sacrifice, not just in terms of work and, and hours put in. And it's a long season. You know, These guys are at the ballpark more than enough. But it's about being willing to step back and maybe have an ugly week, maybe struggle for a week. But with the fact in mind, you will improve down the stretch. Because it's, it's hard enough to make an adjustment. Doing it in the middle of the season against Major League pitching is nearly impossible. So Chapman looked at himself, said it wasn't good enough, and decided to change. And you're seeing the results now. Because this is a guy back in 2019 who was one of the best hitters in baseball as well. Not just one of the best defenders, but a great hitter really a star all the way around. So you're seeing him turn that corner a bit. I think it's also working against him a little bit that he was brought in as sort of kind of the Marcus Semyon replacement in that lineup. He was the star name brought in to fill that Semyon role. 
even though they're different positions. But defensively has been just as advertised. Pitchers love him. Every pitcher probably has an ERA a couple of points lower because of Chapman, and I think that you're going to see a better bat uh, down the stretch. Keegan Matheson with us from MLB.com talking Blue Jays. Uh, you mentioned stars, and uh, I, there's no bigger star on the bump than Alec Manoa. Um, what a player he's turned into be. And in some ways, a revelation. I mean, I'm sure they had high hopes for him, but to be this good this early in his career, um, it's a real luxury for a team that's lost Hyunjin Ryu. Kikuchi's struggled and been on the DL, um, but it's allowed Berrios and Gosman and even Ross Stripling to sort of be consistent in the middle of the uh, middle of the rotation, knowing that they've got that horse they can throw it every fifth day. Yeah, he is somehow still underrated. Alec huh. Manoa is an amazing starting pitcher, really one of the best in Major League Baseball. Period. Right now, he does a couple of things that impress me, but in much different ways. Now, number one, he gets guys out. He has the big fastball, has the big slider. That's great. So do a hundred other people in Major League Baseball. It's like when we talk about a guy who comes up throwing 100. Frankly, I don't care anymore. Everybody can throw 98, 99. Every team has someone who throws 100. It's really cool for a week or two, but baseball is full of people who come up and flash a little bit of talent and then start getting hit when opposing lineups have a second or two to adjust to them. What's amazing about Manoa is the consistency that every single day when he's starting, I can write my story in the first inning. He's going to throw seven innings. There's going to be one earned run allowed, maybe two, seven strikeouts, maybe six, maybe eight. But it doesn't change much. It's the same story over and over. And to be able to do that while other lineups are adjusting to you and while other lineups know you are a star is extremely rare. That's extremely rare. And that's what impresses me the most. And I always think it's important to point out when we're wrong as well. I mean, it the start of spring training last year, I would have told you maybe late 2021, so maybe by the end of late last season, he comes up as a reliever and eventually develops into a starter. He was up a couple of weeks into the season, was one of the best rookies in baseball, and now he is one of the best pitchers in baseball. He will be getting Cy Young votes this season, not just for being good, but for being consistent. And on top of all of that, I don't know if there's a player on this roster that fits Toronto better right now because he has that swagger that you can only pull off if you're really good. If you're going to beat your chest and jaw with the other team, you better win, and he usually does. So the entire package is just must-see TV. He is a great player and, frankly, good for baseball. You know, he, he is worth turning on your TV for, which is – something that baseball needs more of. Because even if Manoa has a boring start, even if it's five innings, allows two or three runs, chances are he is going to get into it with somebody <laughs> and you're going to forget what he did. It's it's so entertaining. Yeah, there's certainly no dull moments with uh, Manoa oh. on the mound. Uh, how comfortable are uh, is Blue Jays management in the bullpen right now? You need some additions there. I, I think the bullpen across baseball now is something that teams can almost go into the season knowing they're going to change. You're going to go through 20 relievers anyways. That, that's how it works now. You just hope that you find a couple of guys who get hot for a month. You know, that just feels like that Sergio Romo deal, which didn't work out, didn't last, but really you're just trying to find some guys to get through. But at the deadline, the Blue Jays do need to address that bullpen because looking at the back end group, Jordan Romano, fantastic. 
Then you have another group with Phelps, Jimmy Garcia, Tim Meza. That's a good group that you can have towards that back end. But you would love to add a couple of more guys to bump them maybe into the middle innings. And that's when this bullpen gets stronger. Because a contender, a legitimate contender for a World Series, has more than one Jordan Romano. They have two closers. They have three closers. And the Blue Jays do need to add some swing and miss as well. Because take Adam Simber, for example. Fantastic reliever, great trade, very valuable. I really like Adam Simber as a pitcher. But if the Blue Jays are in a spot where it's a 1-1 game, there's a runner on third base with one out. So a ball in play will score that reliever. Simber's not a swing and miss guy. Even when you look down the line at a, a Mesa or a Jimmy Garcia, they can get strikeouts. But you want a guy who really gets strikeouts that you can put in and bet that you've got a 50% chance you're going to get a strikeout from this guy. So I think that's something the Blue Jays need to target. They do have some internal options as well, but it's time to hit that trademark. And I think that needs to be a, a real top priority. Well, you know, it's a perfect segue just before we finish up to talk about the trade deadline. I heard Russ Atkins uh, speaking yesterday about the market right now and said the teams are really looking um, at premium prices right now in advance of the deadline. And he feels like there'll be better value at the deadline. But what do you make of their goals right now? Are they big game hunting? We've heard some big names in play. Or is this more filling out the periphery of the roster for more depth going into the stretch and hopefully a nice playoff run? I think it depends a bit on the position. Now, when you look at the rotation, I can see them doing something similar to 2020. And that is when they went out and they got Ross Stripling. They got Robbie Ray before he turned into Robbie Ray and Taiwan Walker. Guys to kind of fill out that four and five spot in the rotation. If they can do that, that's good enough for the rotation figure out what to do with Yusei Kikuchi, but shore up the rotation so that you're safe. That's enough. I don't think that there's much of an upgrade to be made to this lineup unless you make a big swing, a blockbuster swing. You adjust the bench, I think. You can add some, some balance, maybe some speed to that bench. But the bullpen, I think, is where you might take a couple of bigger swings. And really across the board, though, the Blue Jays, and this applies to the offseason, this applies to next trade deadline, they need to be aggressive. They have to be aggressive because this is the sweet spot for an organization. You see around baseball teams that get stuck in the middle who try to rebuild, but they get stuck at 75, 77, 80 wins. And that can happen to you for a long time. Think about the Blue Jays from 1995 to 2015. I know there were fewer wildcard spots, but you can get stuck. The Blue Jays are in that spot right now where their young core is matched up with expensive free agents, and they have money to spend. This is where teams dream of getting. But the hard spot is getting from here to the next step, that, that final 10% of a rebuild, getting into the real competitive phase. And this is where you're aggressive because this is rare. This does not happen a lot where you have Vladdy and Bo and Kirk and Manoa, who are not just great, but more importantly, they are cheap right now. They are not making $25, $30 million a year. You need to strike at this point. It's like in the NFL where you have a quarterback on a rookie deal. That is when you spend. So I think the Blue Jays recognize that. This is the point that you get to that does not last forever. You'd love it to last forever, but sustainable winning is a myth. It's a unicorn. It's the Loch Ness Monster. It doesn't last in pro sports. So when you get there like this and you have two, three years, go nuts. Go all in. 
Keegan, this was awesome as always. Always love catching up and it's an exciting time for Jays fans. Sort of the dog days of summer right now. All eyes on the Blue Jays and they've been winning lots lately and uh, all eyes on the trade deadline and of course, hopefully on a nice push into the playoffs. Thanks so much for doing this and uh, hopefully we can catch up again soon. You got it. Anytime at all. Thank you. All right. Great stuff with Keegan. Jays open a series tonight against the Detroit Tigers and just seeing on the uh, feed have also announced a $300 million renovation to the Rogers Center with uh, some new lounges and, uh, you know, some alternate areas, moving out some seats and giving people a few more options as to where they spend their day at the ball game, which looks pretty cool. All right, Rowicki's on deck. Uh, before we do that, hydration break with our friends at Culligan Water, the locally owned family business that has been hydrating Winnipeggers and Southern Manitobans for over 65 years. They've got everything you need, water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage or the office, Culligan's got you covered. Visit them at 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180 or online at drinkculligan.com. Long weekend coming up. You have the batteries for everything you need. Um, of course, Manitoba Battery is the home of the $99 Deep Cycle Battery. You won't find anyone in town that can compete with that price, whether it's for your camper, your boat, or anything else. You'll get the best price and the best service from the guys and gals down at Manitoba Battery. And hey, they'll deliver it to you. You save money with the best prices in town, better than Costco and Canadian Tire and the big box stores, and they'll certainly save you a lot of time dealing with those parking lots and staff that are not trained specifically in battery products. Uh, and of course, Manitoba Battery will also deliver the battery to you citywide at no extra cost when you live inside the perimeter. Um, enjoy the price, the great prices and the convenience of Manitoba Battery. ManitobaBattery.com or go visit the team in the coolest JetBlue building in Winnipeg at 1026 Logan Avenue, open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily. I'll uh, peel the curtain back, folks. Remo and I working with uh, Greg and the guys at Royal on some uh, new WST lids. A couple of new versions going to be coming out at some point. And uh, obviously, we talked to Royal Sports when we're thinking about merchandise because they are the merch headquarters for every type of fan. Jets, National Hockey League, Bombers in the CFL, NFL with the season just around the corner, Major League Baseball, Blue Jays, NBA, International Soccer, Whatever you're looking for, chances are Royal has it. And in addition to all the great merchandise, the massive hockey section, bikes, soccer, softball, baseball right now, tennis, disc golf, and more. Make the most of summer and do it by starting with a trip down to Royal Sports. 750 Pemina Highway and follow them on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And I did mention, uh, geez, we're a couple weeks away from the Canadian Mid-Am uh, and Senior Women's here in Winnipeg at Breezy Bend. It's going to be an incredible event. And, of course, very much looking forward to hosting the country. We'll be getting out there beforehand to and hopefully get out there and do a show from Breezy in and around it. Uh, can tell you, though, the Rocket Mortgage Classic is on. I, we talked about the Live Pro-Am already. The real thing's happening on the PGA Tour. Tony Fino, my guy, eight under par, and Canadian Taylor Pendrith, cool bet guy. He's at eight under par as well. What a round for the Canadian. Uh, of course, Breezy Bend, 
sponsors all of our golf reports. And if you're thinking about a great spot for your family, long-term at Winnipeg's top private clubs, Breezy Bend is the spot. Give Corey Johnson a call, our great friend, the GM, and ask about getting on the waiting list for next year or find out more online at everything Breezy has to offer at breezybend.ca. All right, Bomber Talk with Patty Newfeld of the Blue and Gold later on, but let's get Rowicki in for his weekly visit on WST. What's going on, man? Great to have you back on the program. Pumped to be back, my man. I'm doing good. What's new with you? Well, what's new is that for the first little while, um, you know, it's sort of quiet on the jet scene. I mean, last week was uh, all about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, and I guess we'll have to get your thoughts on Dubois from Monday. Uh, but once kind of he said what he had to say, we've talked about it for a couple of days now, sort of hurrying up and waiting for some other shoes to fall, for some moves to happen, and for some spots to be filled on this roster. Listen, before we get to that, other things in the league, um, what did you think of uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois' media availability on Monday? Yeah, I I don't know. There wasn't really a whole lot that was surprising that came out of it. I, I don't know if anything stood out to you, really, but for me, it was just kind of what you expected, you know, like, downplay a little bit of, of what was said from his agent, but at the same time, he's not going to come out and say, yeah, six, seven years in Winnipeg, that's on the table for me right away. I I, I think he's a really well-spoken and thoughtful young man. Like, he, he takes his time to answer questions, and it's not just the the usual BS that's been hammered into these kids since they were, you know, 16 years old. And he makes valid points. And it's kind of what I said on, on your show going back, uh, you know, a long time now is that, you know what? He, he probably doesn't really know what he wants to do in two years anyways. Like maybe, he doesn't know what he's having for dinner tonight. Yeah. Right. And, and, and who knows what's going to happen at the end of this year? Who knows what's going to happen at training? Like there's just so many unknown factors. If anything, it may be, speaks a little bit to the dysfunction that the Winnipeg Jets find themselves in because maybe make the case that if they were in a better spot that, hey, you know what? First line minutes, chance to be a part of the leadership group. Would you like to play with Kyle Connor for the next seven years on top of that and get 80 points and make eight, nine million dollars? Like maybe then it might be an easier sell to have a guy like that in the fold long term. But yeah, all in all, I I, I just... Didn't re- I didn't really take a whole lot from it because it's it's kind of what I think we had anticipated going into it once he signed the one-year $6 million deal. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how successful. I mean, obviously, this was a PR, uh, a, an attempt at some good PR for a guy that had been getting killed in the media here and really around, and not necessarily him, but more his agent and how they had sort of handled things, being you know, unusually public about a potential destination that's two years away as per, you know, when he can actually go where he wants. And I thought that it was an attempt to sort of say, hey, you know, this has all been overblown. I don't know how successful that was, to be honest with you. We certainly saw in the chat that I don't think a lot of people were buying that this was somewhat fabricated by the media, um, and certainly the folks at The Athletic do a great job. Hamilton was on. I mean, they believe those reports. All that being said, though, I'm sort of with you, and I don't think this was a great time coming off this season that the Jets just had to feel like everyone was about to, you know, throw down and um, say, hey, we're all in long-term. I mean, they haven't even had one practice under Rick Bonus. I will say this. I don't know why it would have been so hard, whether it was BS or not, just to say, you know what, I'm playing this year out. We'll see what happens. And at the end, 
anything as possible, which I guess he sort of did, but people tried so hard to say, will you consider signing long-term in Winnipeg and never quite got close to saying absolutely yes. And I mean, again, it doesn't mean that you're going to do it, just that it's a possibility. And if it doesn't seem like it's much of a possibility, that puts a lot on the shoulders of the GM realizing, okay, how is this going to work with our club? And when do we move this asset to hopefully not disrupt too much of what's going on with the club in the present? But you can't end up losing a guy like that for pennies on the dollar, especially when you think about what you gave up to get him. And oh, by the way, Line A and Rosovic both signed in Columbus. Line A for four years. Yeah, you know, it, it was a bit of a masterclass in semantics, wasn't it? Where I, I didn't, <laughs> yes. I didn't demand a trade out of Winnipeg. I never said that, but I did say I would like to go to Montreal, and I'm not signing. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. I didn't say this specific thing, even though the ultimate goal of what I want is exactly similar to that, and and so on and so on. And that's even with the long term thing. Like, hey, I, after this year, let's talk about it. But it's not really a a firm step in the positive direction that Jets fans might have wanted to hear. But again, like I I don't really blame Pierre Luc Dubois on that, right? Like he wasn't drafted by Winnipeg. He was, you know, not not forced to come here, right? But moved from Columbus to a different destination. And it's not like the Jets have given him a ton of reasons to, to sign for the prime of his career and and spend the next seven eight years. I mean, never mind just the the dysfunction that's going on with the team, but. Are, are the Jets going to win? Like, are they going to be a contender? Do they have a legitimate plan going forward? That's something that, to me, is <laughs> kind of been this the scary revelation of this entire offseason is what the hell is the plan here in Winnipeg going into this season, let alone two years from now? So that's just why it kind of all leads me back to the point of, you know what, it wasn't it wasn't a disaster and it wasn't a massive home run, that, that press conference from Dubois for, for Jets fans. It was just kind of, I guess we're putting this six months down the road and we'll we'll figure things out a little bit later on. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the one thing I did appreciate was the fact that, you know, he signed the qualifying offer. He said he's very excited, had great conversations with Rick Bonus. I mean, I think the one thing everyone can agree on that regardless of how this thing plays out in a year or two years, it is in everybody's best interest to have him engaged with a good opportunity uh, and, and play well um, and produce. It's good for him in the long run when he signs his long-term deal, wherever it may be. And obviously for the Winnipeg Jets, with a player like this for two years of team control, um, you know, with the value for him, the better he plays, the more that that might fetch on the trade market. So certainly in that case, I think they did a good job of sort of letting people know where things stand right now and that he is all in. I'm still fascinated, though, Brandon, as to how he will be greeted by Winnipeg fans this year after everything that's happened in the offseason, knowing that the smart money is on him departing as soon as Kevin Sheveldayoff gets the deal that makes sense for the Jets. I mean, if he has a Bufflin-like first shift, then maybe it's going to be a positive reaction pretty quickly. Like that, A lot of how he plays is going to determine the reaction, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, initially when he first steps on the ice, there I think maybe a smattering of booze or something like that, but I don't think it's going to be anything yeah. overwhelming. But the, basically the first 10 games of the season are going to determine how Jets fans react towards Dubois for the rest of the year. It's 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 that simple, and I, I don't really have a, a problem with that, you know, what whatsoever, and, and that's on him now. And, and that's the other part, too, like, you know, prolonging this into a holdout or him not showing up at camp and all like it, nobody wins in that situation. So while it's not 
the perfect way that any of us envisioned this playing out. Like he's going to be suiting up. To me, there's no way he gives anything less than 100%. And hey, maybe Rick Bonus likes what he sees out of him in camp and he becomes this team's number one center right out of the gate. And and, and we see where things go from there. Um, but I, I can't imagine... I can't, I can't imagine that, you know, as, as positive as Jets fans want to be right now, if he's got two points in his first 10 games, that this doesn't devolve oh. into something that's a complete nightmare, right? Yeah, it certainly becomes a bigger story. And, you know, and part of it, I mean, as I said, this is entirely self-inflicted. I mean, the way it was handled, particularly by the agent, I mean, it did put a far bigger spotlight on Dubois. And when you think about the way things ended in Columbus, it's natural that people will question well, if he's already got one foot out the door and he's thinking somewhere else, how committed is he going to be? We saw none of that last year, and I'm not suggesting for a minute that will be the case, but I do understand how that part of the story still exists when we've seen uh, all of it. All that being said, um, Dubois sounds like he's back, apparently Shifley as well, and with every day going forward, Brandon, I think with what we've learned about the market, it is less and less and less um, likely that the Jets are going to be able to trade Blake Wheeler, which is going to be a fascinating scenario for Rick Bonus when he uh, uh, when he takes over as the head coach come training camp time. Yeah, <laughs> run it all back, right? You finished 10th last year in the West. Why not bring the same crew back? There was a mutiny as well, by the way, but that's that's not a big issue, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, you, you're talking about positive or negative reaction, reaction and reception. I think Jets fans have every right to boo Kevin Chevaldeoff's name game one of the season if, if they announce him in the in the home opener because this is this has been a disastrous offseason. I I don't know if you could put it in any other way, man. Like I on on my on my show on Tuesday, you could maybe make a debate about this, but I I truly believe that what we're in the midst of right now is the worst offseason in Jets 2.0 history. Because not, nothing's being done. And like I said earlier, what's the plan? Like, does anybody really know what direction the Jets want to go in right now? Like, they, they've been kind of intimating that we want to be competitive and, and win now this season, well, which is fine. But you have, you have to make a move. Like, you have, to, you have to add people into the organization if you want to be much more competitive, considering the level of talent we've seen from some of the teams ahead of them in the Western Conference, never mind the Eastern Conference right now. All they've done so far is downgrade at backup goalie and lose Paul Stasny. Like, this is the worst team than last year, and last year's team stunk. And, and yet we're still not seeing anything. That being said, no one hands out the cup at the end of July. I mean, and I get the impatience, um, but I think what we're seeing right now, and it's very clear, Brandon, is that this market and this squeeze, um, you know, with cap space, um, there hasn't been a ton of deals. I mean, there's a lot of teams sort of in similar spots as the Winnipeg Jets. And then, I mean, obviously they're sniffing around and in on some of these uh, these free agents. I mean, when a guy like Danton Heinen turns down more money from multiple teams and signs for one year and a million bucks with the Pittsburgh Penguins to say with Sidney Crosby, I mean, you know what? Like, does anyone say you're going to throw $5 million at a guy and overpay? They'd get killed for that too. So... I think there's a ton of things that are happening behind the scenes, and I don't expect – listen, if we get to, to start a training camp and this is as is, I'll be with you. But I don't know. I pump the brakes a little bit on that just because, hey, we talk about this stuff every day, so we have to live in the present. Um, 
but no one's raising a banner at the end of July in the National Hockey League. You know what I'm saying? No, no, you don't win it in July, but you can lose it in July. I, I think the Jets have lost it in July right now because there's not a whole lot of, like, where are the avenues for them to improve right now? And then you even said it there, like, the Wheeler trade seems far-fetched at this point. Well, the so, irony is, does the Wheeler trade make the team better? It's tough to say. Like, everyone it, it, wants it to happen, but, I mean, okay, say you tr- trade Blake Wheeler and, you know, get a piece or something like that. You're not getting Blake Wheeler back. I mean, I really think that, I mean, all this talk about Blake Wheeler is to really boost that culture change that we've been talking about, to get a different atmosphere around it. But, I mean... Pound for pound, as far as what the guy brings on the ice, there's no chance they win a trade hockey-wise if you're getting Blake Wheeler out with his age and with what he's owed for the next two years. I mean, that's fair, but in the sense of Wheeler, in the sense of Shifley, and and just bringing back the same leadership group, like this team, (laughs) this team tried to form a public mutiny with about 15 games to go in the season. (laughs) You got I agree. Of, you got rid of two coaches, two head coaches, and an entire coaching staff. And your answer to winning is, meh, try it again. I, I just, I can't, it blows my mind. It, there's a level, there's almost a level of arrogance to thinking that this team has enough talent to get it done. But for whatever reason, it's been the mix, right? Like it's the, the coaching this, or this hasn't worked, or that hasn't worked. We've seen teams that are, leagues ahead of the Winnipeg Jets right now. Not sit on their laurels and go out there and, and make moves, aggressive ones. Now, whether or not they'll they'll pay off or work, that remains to be seen. But the, the, defend, the defending cup champs just got rid of their starting goalie. The Tampa Bay Lightning traded one of their most important defensemen. The Florida Panthers, who have no cap space or assets, find a way to get Matthew freaking Kachuk into the fold. And then the Calgary Flames... On the other end of the spectrum, find a way to, with apparently no leverage, take a guy that was on the way out and parlay that into a top-line winger and a top-pair defenseman. There, while I'll give you the, the the Danton Heinen signing, that that's the reality of, of being the Winnipeg Jets, right? Like you're going to you're going to make the better offer a lot of times on free agents, and you're going to lose because of the location. I do feel a ton of sympathy for Chevy and company with that because there's there's just nothing you can do there, but. There are hundreds of players in the NHL that do not have no trade clauses, do not have no move clauses. There are other avenues to improve your team other than just trying to sign leftovers on the free agent market. And the fact that as it stands right now, it's more likely than not that the Winnipeg Jets are going to enter this season with the same group as last year that flamed out spectacularly. To me, that's that's a massive fail. And when you consider expectations and how transformation and everything was promised going into this year, that to me points to the worst offseason in team history because, you know what, there may have been more disastrous signings in other years, but I don't know how you can justify doing absolutely nothing and selling that to the fan base as there's optimism for us to get back to the playoffs again next year. Hey, just uh, quickly, I want to give a shout-out to our guy, T-Kona Pauly. Pauly, thanks so much for that super chat and uh, giving a shout-out on behalf of my boy who crossed over the Rainbow Bridge. Listen to every show with me and never miss the Jets bomber game. Love you, boy. Sorry to hear about that, Tony. And uh, thanks very much for that. We uh, we certainly do uh, do appreciate it. Winnipeg Sports Talk. Brandon Rowicki of Skates and Plates is with us. Um, back to the situation, though, as we are as is. And as I said, I would be stunned if there isn't some sort of movement. Um, 
but at the, you know, with how difficult it is to make trades right now in the cap situation, I don't know how significant they'll be. Um, and I don't think the Jets are the team that will make a move just for the sake of making a move to appease the public or try to, you know, get off the front page or buy them a little bit of time. I do believe that they'll make those decisions based on, you know, what they believe will make them better. Um, but as difficult as that will be, and with the way this is trending right now, I'll say this. I think this is it's borderline unfair to Rick Bonus to expect oh. him to come in as is and expect that he is going to be the guy almost single-handedly that's going to turn around what we saw at the end of last year into a team that actually plays up to the potential that so many people believe there is in that locker room. It's an impossible task, right? Like it's, I, I feel, I feel awful for it to be honest. And that's, I mean, there's the dysfunction inside the locker room. That's one thing that he's going to have to deal with. Probably the first that he's going to have to deal with quite honestly. Then there's instilling a defensive structure into a team that has been unable to play defense for three, four, five years now. And then you have the potential issue of, can we get enough ice time to all our guys? Like if Wheeler's coming back, well, you know what? Nikolai Ehlers has been the, the, the good soldier for a number of years now. A guy that's deserved first line ice time hasn't gotten it to this point. At what point does he start to make a fuss about not playing 20 plus minutes a night. Then you have, well, I don't think there's any need to make the, I mean, listen, there's no way in the world that Rick bonus comes in and just does the exact same thing that the previous guys did before. I mean, I, 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 I mean, that can't happen. Can it? It shouldn't, but I mean, you, I will... you look at what he did with Robertson and Hintz as opposed to Ben and Sagan. I mean, the body of work is there. He's done that already in Dallas. And this situation screams for that in Winnipeg. I mean, I don't know how that could possibly be on the table. And I, I won't even personally entertain that until it <laughs> happens, Brandon. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't have entertained the same roster being brought back this season. Yet we're a little ways, uh, what, a month away from training camp or exhibition starting, and we're getting closer and closer to that. So I, I'm not going to throw anything out of, the, out of the window just yet. But there's also, like, three major left-handed defensive prospects slash, you know, full-time NHLers that are going to need playing time, and there's already two big-time veteran defensemen ahead of them in, in the depth chart. How, how are you going to find room for one of those guys, two of those guys? let alone some of the defensemen that now need waivers to go through all that stuff. Like there's, I don't know of all the head coaches that have been signed this off season. I'm, I'm with you there. I would be hard pressed to find anybody that's been put in a tougher spot than Rick bonus right now. Paul, Paul Maurice might have the most pressure on him because Florida is, they've pushed all their chips and they're throwing their shoes and their wallets and their car keys into the middle right now to try to win this year. He's probably got the most pressure to deliver results right now, but for Rick bonus, this is, I don't, I don't know if this is what he envisioned when he signed up for the head coaching job and that, you know, maybe there would have been a little bit more change and my life might've been made a little bit easier going into a challenging year. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I still do think there's the potential for one of those guys in the back end to be moved. And probably it's a money-in, money-out deal um, that potentially shifts some of the cap for the Jets from the blue line to the forward group. Um, and then again, there's still a few guys kicking around as free agents. Uh, we've talked about Evan Rodriguez. Would Nice to get a right shot that can actually maybe do a few things offensively in Sonny Milano as well. But we went through that list earlier on, and I mean... 
as much as people love the the headline of signing a guy for just money and not giving up any assets, there's not a lot of guys that are really moving the needle very much beyond those two guys. And Heinen was a guy that I think a lot of teams yeah. wanted. I still can't believe it. I mean, what that says about the market um, or the fact that he just, you know, really wants to be in Pittsburgh must be nice. Um, one year, $1 million for an 18 goal score that had a lot of other things that he brings to the game. I mean, uh, just goes to show the predicament that the Jets and many other teams are in right now as well. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing you can do there, right? <laughs> like, I, I don't know what they offered him. Maybe triple the salary? Quadruple, right? Like, what What else are you supposed to do if you're the Jets in that situation? He obviously just wants to play in Pittsburgh, which is a mistake because Pittsburgh sucks and the city's terrible, but <laughs> nobody's perfect. You know, but even like... Flyer guy in the, in the has entered the yeah. chat. Uh, but even a, a guy like Milano, while maybe not necessarily, you know, front page of NHL.com, the Jets need to find guys that will fit it on their second or third lines, and he'd be a... He had a, a pretty damn sneaky good season last year. I know he played with Trevor Zegers for a lot of it, but all that tells me is he's a guy that can produce when he's played with pretty solid line mates, and he'll probably have one of those if he ultimately ends up signing in Winnipeg. So, that, I mean, up front, there's still ways this team can can find a guy or two to come in and, and, and solidify the, the middle six. The blue line, I, I have no idea what the Jets are going to do on the blue line, though, man. Like, I, I, I don't, again, I don't really know what the plan is right now. I, I have I have no idea what they want to do. I kind of have a sense of what they want to do up front. Like it's it's clear they want to add one, maybe two pieces inside that top nine. Uh especially because Paul Stasny is ninety-nine percent finding somewhere else to play next season. But on the back end, I, I don't really get a sense of of what they want to do. And you would think that it has to be a trade of either a Brendan Dillon to open up some space for some of the youngsters to come in or, or you move one of the youngsters to, to grab a forward up there and make this log jam a little easier to, to climb your way through here. So yeah, you would have hoped that these, these issues would have been figured out a month, month and a half ago, but I guess, I guess Chevy wants to go down to the wire for this one. Maybe we'll get an answer sometime in August. Yeah. It wouldn't be nice to have a little more clarity, but um, as I say, lots of uh, intrigue for guys like us that talk about this team all the time. Hey, you mentioned uh, last Friday's deal between Florida and Calgary. Want to get your thoughts on that. And, you know, for the Florida Panthers, as exciting a player as Matthew Kachuk is, and they're they've locked him up over the course of, you know, basically through his prime. Are the Panthers better now than they were before they made that trade? No, not even close. <laughs> I mean, you can't even, even if you like the trade for Florida, you, you can't make that argument. But what they did do was get cost certainty for the next seven, eight years, right? Like that's that's the trade-off that they're making there. I, when, the, when the trade first, I mean, first off, we get more of this. Like, can we get these NBA like trades a couple times a year? That was, that was my first thought. This is just fun. Like, it's just awesome to have something like this pop up on a Friday night out of nowhere. But I at first thought Florida completely got fleeced. And after a couple days, it went from a fleecing to you lose the trade, but I can also kind of understand their their reasoning behind it, right? Where you get you probably get it's it's one of the rare trades where you get the best player in the trade and you lose the trade. But it also makes sense because you might not have Hubert O'Weger one year from now. At the very least, you get Matthew Kachuk for the next pretty much decade. But what's 
fascinating to me about this deal is that I feel like Mackenzie Weger was a throw-in. And when is a top pair defenseman <laughs> ever a throw-in? In it? Like, I thought if, if Trilliving, if the deal was Hubert Owen a first, I'd be like, that's pretty good. Like, to get that for for a guy that everybody knew you had to move, that's that's not bad. And then you figure what you have with Hubert Owen, maybe you move him and, and get more picks on top of it. But Mackenzie freaking Weger is a borderline top 10, top 20 defenseman. He's a stud. No, like, he's, a, he's a major stud. Plop him and, in the yeah, one spot here. He, he would have walked right in. And, and now Calgary arguably has the best decor in the entire NHL. Like, t- like one through six, they're loaded. Just loaded. And then you have a top 10 goalie in, in Jacob Markstrom and, and one of the better defensive coaches in the game right now in, in Sutter. And all of a sudden, Calgary's like, maybe we take a run at this one. So I, I love love the deal from a flames perspective i i get it from florida's point of view but they're definitely definitely worse this upcoming season and i don't know how they can find a way to improve that decor which is thin all of a sudden because i don't think they have a first round pick until 2048 i was just about to say my favorite part of the entire deal is the fact that for so long, so many people around here had bitched about how Maurice had handled the young players and the top prospects <laughs> on the first-round picks. They don't need to worry about that Not in Florida issue. for the entire time <laughs> in his career. They won't even be showing up to the draft on the first yeah. night. <laughs> it's so true, yeah. I and I, and You know, when you look at Florida's roster, right, up front they're great, but I don't know, man. Like, are they the – like, where, where do they stack up in the NHL right now? Like, are they a top five team after trading a number one defenseman away? Like, I, I don't know if if they're at the level that they were this past season. So that that's why Florida is clearly the most intriguing team going into this year, right? Because if they start off, I don't know, five hundred something like that, thirty games into the, like, what what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> like, you've you've already played all your chips at that point if you're management. So I, I'm I'm fascinated fascinated to see how that plays out, and it's happening. In the toughest division in all of hockey, and the Senators surprisingly are kind of this like dark horse sleeper team. Wouldn't oh. it be something if Ottawa jumped ahead of Florida all of a sudden, and and the Panthers are just battling for a playoff spot? It's it's crazy. Brady Kachuk giving it to brother Matthew in his yes. new home. Might be a little colder in Ottawa, but uh, I'll say this: I love. I mean, Pierre Dorian. I mean, raise the banner right now. They are off-season champs. They are off-season champs. There's no doubt about it. And they've done it. Hey, listen, before we go, I know you've been paying attention to uh, these Hockey Canada hearings in Ottawa. I mean, what a... uh, um, I mean, this is a story, and I mean, again, it's not unique to hockey, um, but I think it has probably been more prevalent, and certainly the profile, especially of the junior program, and the fact that these two incidents now have been locked to it... um, but uh, did you see much of yesterday's uh, um, uh, the uh, proceedings in Ottawa? And what what do you expect? I, I am so fascinated as to what this World Junior Hockey Championship um, is like. It, don't forget that starts in two weeks, yeah. from the ninth to the twentieth. And they were quite clear this is a double IHF uh, event. This is not a Hockey Canada event. They're one of ten teams. Um, but with the black cloud around that office and Scott Smith, who did his best to. Um, you know, answer the questions. I mean, he's only taken over for four weeks as the head guy, but he's been there for the better part of 30 years. Um, There's unprecedented times. I can't remember anything like this and something that was really seen as the pinnacle 
of sport and organizations in our country doing such a 180 as to where they are right now and what happened the last couple of days. Yeah, you know, I I didn't I kind of followed along on on Twitter for the most part. I didn't I didn't watch any of it live, but I, I mean, for me, it's it's pretty cut and dry. I I don't need to you know speak a whole lot about this. A- anything less than the resignation of anybody that was in charge over these, like if anybody in a position of power out the door, like that's it. Plain and simple, like the fact that this went on for for this long, and there was a fund, like a freaking fund, put in place to settle claims like this it's it's beyond despicable it's it's disgusting and i i don't i don't know at this point how it could be anything less than than having a complete overhaul of the entire structure of of hockey canada because it's poison it's it's poison and to, to have anybody that was in power then still working with that organization now despite what they might say and the call to action and anything like that it's it, it, it would be it would be shameful for any of them to still have a job with Hockey Canada. The thing that really worries me, and uh, I'm not sure if you caught, but uh, I mean, Marie-Philippe Poulin uh, put out a letter on behalf of the women's national team, and then a number of her teammates had put that out as well. And I mean, there's a lot of angles to this because as much as, you know, people are, you know, angry and they kind of focus on the men's program and in particular, you know, these incidents involving the world juniors, um, you know, Hockey Canada is the steward of the game at every level, amateur sports, sledge hockey, and of course, women's program. And the women's team has been the pinnacle of it. I mean, the rivalry with the United States is one of the greatest in sports. They've had so many incredible highlights and have built the game really through a few generations of incredible women. And if the funding is cut, but also the sponsors back away from Hockey Canada, um, you know, yeah, that'll be an effect on the World Juniors and, you know, some of the things they're able to do for that big tournament. But the trickle-down effect is real for this. And yeah. there is a real concern that for things like our incredible women's program, they could be incredibly impacted through absolutely no doing of their own. Yeah, and that, that's, like, the domino effect with this is is also horrendous and that people that aren't involved are the ones that might end up feeling the most repercussions out of this, right? So, I and, and like... I don't know what the right answer is, right? Like, I, I get why sponsors would want to pull out. <laughs> like, I don't know how you would want to be associated with the Hockey Canada brand right now with all the stuff that's going on out there. But at the same time, it, it hurts the grassroots programs, as I guess, specifically and mainly the women's game the most, which is a, a shame in and of itself. But like, like I mentioned, and I know Sheldon Kennedy, who, you know, probably has the one of the most prominent voices on the matter right now in in the hockey world at least. I'll 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 follow I'll follow his lane right now. And and you know what, May, maybe sponsors can come back once you clean house and once there's a new leadership group put in place and actual signs of progress and change, then everything can kind of hopefully come back to normal so some of the other programs as opposed to you know, all the issues that are going on with the men's program right now, but some of the other programs can at least, you know, thrive and survive in the time being. Yeah, well, when they do blow it up, and it seems like it's all but inevitable that that happens. I mentioned yesterday, I mean, Haley Wickenheiser, she's a doctor. She's now on the Leaf staff. I mean, she would be at the top of my list. Jennifer Botterill as well. I mean, women like that that are not only... Um, you know, brilliant and, and, you know, involved in the game, but Olympic champions know what it's like to build teams, but also know how important it is for all the things that maybe get a little less attention than things like the world junior. Those are the voices that we don't just need contributing to it. 
but literally part of that governance, whether it be on the board or whether it be in some of the most impactful jobs in the country. And I certainly hope that that's something that will come out of this going forward. Uh, you are cranking out another uh, another pod uh, going into uh, August long, uh, talking about what hasn't happened like we've just discussed? <laughs> Yeah, another episode on what hasn't happened so far. We'll, we'll get into that. It should come out tomorrow. Um, I will say, if I can just make a, a quick plug here. Um, Please do. Friday night, 5 to 10 in the exchange. Um, I'm going to be at the Alleyway Market, and I'll be in a booth with my wife. My wife's company is selling some absolutely gorgeous, beautiful trays and coaster sets and all these kind of floral things, so... You want to drop by and say hi and maybe buy a it's a little early for Christmas, but it's it's never there's always a good reason to gift your significant other a floral coaster set or tray. So so fill me. So this where is this again? This is in the exchange on Friday night. Yeah, yeah at the exchange. It's called the Alleyways Market and it's uh, 5 to 10 p.m. Excellent. Well, I'm thinking of maybe popping by the ball game. So maybe either before or afterwards won't be too far away from that and not. Uh, Fire out something on Twitter as well for that. So if people were forgetting where it is, but uh, well, listen, hopefully that goes well. Nice to see your wife's putting you to work and you're, uh, you know, helping out for a change, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually <laughs> useful again. <laughs> <laughs> Make it happen, dude. Uh, hey, listen, great chat, man. Thanks for doing this. And we'll catch up next week. Sounds good. Have a good one. So there you go. Friday night, pop by and see uh, Brandon at the, in the exchange, at the alleyway market. And uh, of course, subscribe to skates and plates wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, don't forget, folks, we're going to talk Bombers, Patty Newfeld uh, on deck, and then stick around. The Wheel of Winners will get fired up on WST. We've got some tickets for the Big Valor FC game against Pacific on Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m., courtesy of our friends at Canadian Club. Uh, before we do that, a big shout-out to the gang over at Not Auto Corp. Uh, great sponsors of the Bombers and, of course, Golf in Manitoba just finishing up the Not Auto Corp amateur. But the bread and butter of Not is putting Manitobans into amazing vehicles at incredible prices. Why not get into the car of your dreams at the best price around with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery or check them online at Not.ca. Hey, long weekend just about here. And our friends at Little Brown Jug have you covered with an amazing deal. Buy two Good Times variety packs down at the brewery and taproom on William Avenue. And you'll get a $15 gift card, which you can be used online or in person for a couple pints down at Little Brown Jug. So two Good Times variety packs with four different great Little Brown Jug beers in each. You'll get a $15 gift card Offer now available until July 31st at midnight. You know where to do it. Little Brown Jug. And by the way, a little tease for you. I'll uh, probably officially announce this next week, but uh going to be doing another little pseudo WST get-together, a sports trivia night at Little Brown Jug next month, hosted by yours truly. We'll let you know about that uh, next week. And Little Brown Jug in the exchange and online at Little Brown Jug dot ca uh our friends at canadian club great sponsors of the bombers and of course valor fc just mentioned at the end of the program we've got some tickets to give away for the game coming up but with the long weekend just around the corner you make sure that you pop by your local beer store and get hooked up with some of the drink of the summer the new canadian club and ginger ale ready to drink cocktail available in six packs 
And of course, that and all the great Canadian club products available at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and at IG Field on Saturday for the soccer game. And of course, when the Bombers are back, taking on the Montreal Alouettes on August 11th as the official spirit of the Blue and Gold. So stick around for the ticket giveaway from Canadian Club a little later on. We'll do that right away. But uh, we got some Bombers to talk about. And speaking of the Bombers, you'll be able to have a few of those CC and Gingers out at the Princess Auto tailgate party before each and every game. Two hours before game time, things get going. $5 beers, two, $3.50 hot dogs and pop, DJ finesse spinning, prizes from the Princess Auto crew. There's no better place to get warmed up for kickoff than with Princess Auto and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at the Princess Auto tailgate zone. And of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of the Blue and Gold, and the spot where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at Panit Road, Portage Avenue West. The two Winnipeg locations are shop online 24-7, 365. All right, let's get ready for Saturday. 7-0 Bombers, 4-1 Stamps, McMahon Stadium, 6 o'clock. And Pat Newfeld of the Blue and Gold joins us now on WST. Patty Newfeld from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Patty, what's up, man? It's great to have you back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to this. How's it feeling around the uh, the team? Couple days of practice coming off a. Uh, I mean, listen, a win's a win, and you guys have done a lot of it. But uh, one of the weirdest W's that you guys have put together over the course of uh, the last few years. Uh, where's yeah. everyone at today? Coming out of practice, they're they're good. You know, guys are getting back to normal and, and feeling good, ready to roll against a really good Calgary team. You know, who's coming off a bye, which is always tough, but. Um, yeah, that that Edmonton game was it was a gritty win. I think it was uh, kind of a three phase win for us, and and we're we're pretty lucky we had the defense we had that game. Well, I mean the defense has uh, been I mean such a huge part of uh, the championship um, ID of this Winnipeg team. Um, but listen, the offense has been rolling so far this season. But it was very strange. I mean, the Bombers never lose the turnover battle they did in that game, and the. Time of possession. I mean, did it feel like you were basically on the bench most of the game on that last Friday? It, it did. I mean, I think we only had 39 plays on offense, excluding our two meals. So um, film was short for us the next day, which was kind of nice. But um, yeah, we. I think in the in the third quarter, we were only on the field for like four snaps or something like that. So um, I mean, kudos to Edmonton. They did a great job of possessing the ball and, and using the the play clock as best they could but you know our our defense was stout when they needed to be and didn't let them in the end zone Uh, I have to imagine that even in a game where the offense might not be clicking at the rate that you are accustomed to there's an incredible level of confidence Um, even when you're sitting on the sidelines knowing what Willie and Big Hill and the guys are doing on the defensive side of the football and even if a team is getting some first downs and moving the football as soon as they're getting into your zone you know you better get ready to get back on the football because it's probably coming back to you soon yeah the, the, you know our defense always always preaches turning the ball over getting us the ball back and um, you know they're just so so gritty and so dynamic they, they can do a lot of things that make that part of the field really tough you know kind of when you when you get past the 40 defense has changed to just keep you out of the kick zone or or keep you from getting close so our defense does a really great job of that and you know they're just you guys have seen it for the last couple years now where they're able to fly around um make plays and make things really tough on the quarterback so 
um, it was great for us, uh, especially as an offense that wasn't on the field for a long time. Now, um, offensively so far, I mean, listen, no one's critiquing a 7-0 and perfect start to the season. Um, but I'm sure inside that room, you're always looking at things that you can do better and always trying to improve. I mean, looking at the body of work for the offense as a whole, how would you categorize the, uh, you know, the start just specifically from the offensive performance this season uh, with some highs and some, you know, maybe not as highs despite winning each and every game you played? Yeah, I think that's that's a good question, and it's it's something that we're trying to level out. Where we're you know we're either really high with with pass game, or we're we're lower with the run game. So we want to kind of bring that back and and kind of get back to the identity we've had in years past, where we can really you know effectively run the football, and that opens things up in the pass game and the play action game. So um, we just have to do a better job up front of of communicating and and kind of recognizing how teams are not just going to kind of play us in a, in a base four, two defense anymore. They're going to move, they're going to stunt, they're going to send guys from, you know, the secondary to try and stop the run. So um, we just have to do a better job of that. And, and teams have done a good job of it. So um, it's up to us in that, in our offensive line room and, and our backs to get that corrected. Well, you know, that's a great kind of segue into the running game. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you miss Andrew Harris, who's an all-time CFL legend. I um, mean, there's huge shoes to fill for young running backs that you know, have a lot of pressure on their uh, on their backs. Uh, so much of the running game, though, is more than the guys getting the football. It's the guys up front. Um, have you guys been seeing a lot of different looks? I mean, through seven games, are teams planning, game planning for you guys a little bit differently because of, um, you know, how different the team looks without Andrew here? Um, you know, I'm not 100% sure what... what they're they're doing in their room or what they're talking about but i think teams are just doing a really great job across the league of of playing the run um you know they have some there's some copycat stuff that goes from team to team or what what one team finds successful another team might try and fit into their scheme so um i think teams are doing just a, a better job across the board of, of playing the run and um yeah kind of eliminating those explosive plays that get down the field you know, I, I want to ask you about one a game in particular, and it's a couple games ago against BC. And I think, you know, coming out of the game against Toronto, I mean, it was a short week of traveling across the country. There's a lot of things that, you know, could have been put forth as reasons why it would be tough to have, you know, your best performance. And yet, honestly, that game, top to bottom, was one of the best of the season. But what really stood out to me was the way the big boys up front, you and the guys on the offensive line, as well as Brady and Johnny, the running game, established it in the first quarter. I mean, I, I remember tweeting out, I'm just looking at the numbers. The Bombers had more rushing yards in the first quarter of that game than they had in the entire game against Toronto the Monday before. Um, is that almost the blueprint that you guys would love to execute more often than not, where you establish the running game? And, and when you're able to do that, how much more rope does that give a player like Zach Caleros to maybe pick apart the opposing defense like he did against BC in that game? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. We we love being able to run the football. It's 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 kind of a pride thing. It's also a way to to control the football. Uh, um, it gives us kind of a presence and an identity back where we can play physical and we can run off the ball and start to dictate. So um, that's definitely something we want to be able to to try and expand on or or um, continue going forward. Um, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it was the short week where we just kind of had a, you know, you can't complain about it because you can't change it mentality. So maybe that's something we got to carry forward, even with a, a longer break between games. But, um, you know, having an effective running game definitely does open things up 
it just makes your offense dynamic. It allows you to do a lot of things, whether you can play action, um, you can throw the quick game, you can go to empty and do things like that, or you can bring guys back into the box. So um, it's, it's definitely valuable. You know, I, I want to just ask you about the, the overall feeling of the team. I mean, it's pretty clear you guys are quite happy with the wins and losses so far. But it also happens at a time when, I mean, you guys have played seven games so far. Calgary's 4-1, and one, BC's 4-1. and one. They both had two buys already, and you guys have been able to do it. I mean, at this point, it has been certainly the most stressful part of the schedule. Um, you've got the job done on the field. How are you feeling right now going into Calgary with another huge test for another team that's coming off a bye and will be rested and ready for you, um, despite what I guess we're hearing? Uh, they've got some challenges this week off the field with some guys getting sick. Well, I think you you said it best. You know, Calgary coming off the bye is always tough. And um, I think our mindset has been, you know, this is a big one. This is one that is going to take absolutely everyone who's dressed on the roster that game day to to get a win. Playing in Calgary is always hard, too. So, um, you know, the, we kind of knew it in July when we went over our team calendar that – uh, this is going to be a grinder of a month and and um, we've kind of just put our head down and and really kind of been like a racehorse with the blinders on where we're just solely focused on not even that game but just that day that we're that we're currently in you know so um, I think that mentality has really allowed us to be successful where um, we're not looking too far ahead we're really just focused on you know being as best we can that day and then we stack those days coming to game day where you know we're we're able to go and be successful. I, I, I also have to give a shout out to our training staff and our coaching staff where they um, are really aware of, of how we're feeling physically and, and do a great job of taking care of our bodies. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned, I mean, certainly shout out to the trainers, Brad, the guys. I mean, uh, you want to talk about unsung heroes amongst a team, especially with the schedule you've had. I imagine this has been as stressful on them as anybody behind the scenes. But when it comes to the coaching staff and the messaging of Mike O'Shea. We've talked about it for years, the way he's sort of built this culture. I mean, it's a no excuses mantra. Uh, but at the same time, you correct me if I'm wrong, but him being a former player, he knows the stress that this sort of a schedule puts on you guys. And I would imagine sort of creates a schedule for you practice-wise to try to give you the best chance to bottom line, be as healthy and ready as possible when kickoff comes. That's that's exactly it. I mean, um, no one goes a full season without feeling bumps and bruises or being a hundred percent. So um, I think ocean, our training staff understand that and they put a premium on us feeling as best as we possibly can on game day. So there's also an onus on us as players and as, as a veteran team to really dig into the mental side of the game and, and make sure we're getting into the details of how we're going to beat our opponent within our own scheme. Um, we have to make sure we can't have any sort of mistakes. Um, we have to be able to effectively communicate. So guys are all on the same page and, and, you know, I think that's been a big reason why we've been successful over these last, you know, grinder weeks, um, because we've been able to do those things. Patty Newfield's with us from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Stamps and Bombers, 6 o'clock on Saturday night. And of course, as we uh, talked with DT yesterday, uh, OB will get the pregame show going on at 4 o'clock p.m. As far as the offensive line goes, I mean, there's been a few nicks and bruises. A couple guys have missed games. You've had some younger players. Tell us about the newcomers and how they fit in and how they've contributed to the 7-0 start. They've been great. We've had, um, you know, Chris Kolonkowski, who has played um, for the Argonauts before, and then he was with us last year and got some meaningful playtime in the playoffs and in the Grey Cup. Um, so he's he's a veteran just like us, and he has fit in 
extremely well since the moment he uh, had our, we had our first virtual meeting in, in the COVID COVID year. So he's been awesome, and he's really taken con- taken control of making sure we're all on the same page as an offensive line. Um, he does a great job in the film room and, and and studying, so we're we're all on the same page as him. And then you know we have our draft pick Liam Dobson, who's who's a great guy who's fit in really well with us. Um, a funny kid who. Um, have some attributes that really make him a, a successful football player on the field for us. And, and he's bought into our mentality of, of a physical uh, tough football, football team and offensive line. He, um, he was the one that we were showing the video of him dunking a basketball, wasn't he? It's crazy. Yeah. He is. I mean, the offensive line position for so long, it was just, I mean, really big dudes that take up a lot of space, but I mean, at the NFL level and at the CFL level, I mean, it's foot speed, it's footwork, it's a mental game. There's so much more that goes into being really good at that position and playing at a high level than probably most fans realize, huh, Patty? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's not, like you said, not just being a big fat guy, taking up space anymore. We're, we're running, you know, sideline to sideline, and we're, we're trying to block, you know, freak guys like Mike Rose or, or Florino or Maldi on, on the edge there for, for Calgary. So um, you can't just you know, rely on things you've done in the past either. And I think that's something that Liam is, is really starting to learn where he can't just do the things he did in college anymore. And he's, he's experiencing the speed and the physicality and, and, you know, something as so small as not getting enough width on your first step as an offensive lineman can, you know, lose you the block. So he is, he's working really hard and and doing a great job of getting himself better each week to uh, make us successful up front. Hey, speaking of uh, of newcomers and rookies, I mean, uh, we had Dalton Schoen on the program last week and uh, had a great conversation with him. Hopefully got a little bump, so that'll mean a huge game for you as well on Saturday. But, uh, I mean, 146 yards. It wasn't a game that was all about the passing game, but, man, when Zach connected, they made the team pay. I mean, uh, what have you noticed from him, and what's he been like as, uh, as a new player and a rookie coming here in the first time and being in that huddle? I think off the bat has just been his confidence since day one. You know, he's he's not a cocky guy. He's he's extremely humble, but he's he is confident in his skills, and um, he's really picked up our offense very quickly. And I think that um, has allowed him to have Zach's trust, and and Zach now trusts him, so they can be on the same page and and make those throws that you guys are seeing down the field. So um, he, he's been awesome, and he's another guy who's fit in right away, and and you know really helped our offense out. Hey, uh, Patty, before we go, I mean, of course, the schedule will be, uh, you know, practice today, walk through tomorrow and travel, and then the game on Saturday. Um, how much more difficult is it for especially the veteran players that have, you know, have a lot of miles on the odometer, if you will, playing those short weeks that you guys have actually already have in the rearview mirror, like you had with that schedule with three games in 11 days and really very little practice in between games? I think it's a double-edged sword where – um, because we are veteran and um, our coaching staff has put a great deal of trust in us that they afford us the opportunity to maybe do some more walkthroughs and, and not have as uh, physical practice. Um, but on the other side, we really have to make sure we're, we're locked into the mental side of things and, and, you know, be really in tune with the game plan because, um, you know, us not getting all the physical reps on the field, we have to be able to make up for it mentally. So, um we really try to hold ourselves accountable within our room, within the locker room, within position groups to make sure everyone knows uh, exactly what those details are and why we're going to win. Hey, uh, you know, of course, you guys will be in Calgary on the weekend. I do know a few Bomber fans that are making the trip out. They'll be repping the blue and gold there in enemy territory. 
Uh, but it's sort of a weird sked. I mean, with as much as you guys are playing, we're going almost a month between games at IG Field. Um, mm -hmm. August 11th, Montreal will be back in the stands. Um, but how about that crowd on the 15th against Calgary? I mean, that game overall was such a thriller. Uh, but honestly, the atmosphere in that crowd outside the West Final, which is a memory I think all of us will be remembered for a long time. I was as good of a regular season crowd as I can remember in a long time. And was it loud in the fourth quarter when the game was on the line? It was unbelievable. I mean, I can't say enough good things about about our crowd in general but um, and our fans, but that that game was amazing. Um, like you said, I think the, the West Final is special for for fans and, and players, no doubt from, from last year, but that game was, it was sensational, you know, hearing, hearing the crowd go off like they did and, and making things difficult on Levi is unbelievable. And just that extra little bit of juice that we have looking around and seeing that entire, the entire place packed and people partying up in the North end zone is pretty sweet. Well, I'll say this. Uh, I know the West Finals a long ways away, and uh, you guys being the professionals, you are focusing on the next practice and the next game. But I think everyone realizes that a win in Calgary this weekend to go 2-0 and against the Stamps and to 8-0 would go a long, long way to booking that West Final for IG Field come November. No doubt. Every, you know, in a, in a Western conference like this, every win is big, every game is big, so... Um, it's it's going to be a serious tilt out there, and I think uh, it's what the fans are really excited to see. Patty, keep on kicking ass. Thanks so much for doing this. We'll look forward to finally getting back and seeing you guys at home on the 11th, but in the meantime, good luck in Calgary on Saturday night. We hope to be talking about an 8-0 team next week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, good stuff with Patty Newfeld. Great to see him back at practice today. And, uh, oh, cannot wait for the game Saturday night, 6 p.m. Winnipeg time from Calgary. Now, as I mentioned, we uh, have a big soccer game. Valor FC and Pacific playing Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. Great sports day. Home game for the soccer team and then watch the Bombers on the road. And uh, we've got some tickets to give away. Um, just before we do that, a big thanks to our friends at Assiniboia Downs and congratulations. A big announcement today on the Manitoba Derby coming up next week. Going to see if Darren Dunn wants to jump on with us tomorrow and sort of tee up the biggest race of the year out at Assiniboia Downs. But of course, ASD is live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. post time. And uh, the Derby always coming on August long weekend. So uh, we've got the big one coming up this Monday. And we'll talk about it more tomorrow on the program. You can find out more online at asdowns.com. Um, man, I spent some time at uh, BP last night watching the Blue Jays. Always a great spot to get together with the fellas. Uh, there was eight, there was 11 guys sitting together with an inflatable Stanley Cup, a uh, a post-party celebrating the winner of their playoff draft. But uh, hey, if you're getting together with the gang, no better place to do it than Boston Pizza. Check out their happy hour specials and everything on the summer menu, including the new Carnitas Pizza and Tacos. Pizza flights are back as well. And of course, you can always check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. Uh, and a great day to get up to a Nick and Nikki DQ. This weekend is going to be Nick and Nikki DQ weather. It looks like it's going to be sunny and 30 on Saturday. Perfect day for the soccer game and perfect day to check out Nick and Nikki at DQ Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, or DQ St. Anne's. Three Winnipeg locations actually available right now on all the delivery apps. Uh, but pop in for yourself, grab a blizzard, grab one of those delicious new stack burgers. And of course, if you've got a party coming up this weekend or just want to, 
you know, make the most of summer with a delicious DQ ice cream cake. If you'd like to get one custom made, hit him up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. He'll get a custom made for you and have it ready to pick up for you quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. All right, Remo, um, uh, we'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute, but uh, why don't we welcome in everybody in the chat to uh, fire up a, uh, what do we want to do? Exclamation mark tickets for, uh, yeah. for the, uh, for the game on Saturday. So, Saturday, 2 p.m., got a couple pairs courtesy of our friends at Canadian Club. Great seats. I think I'm going to be out there at the game as well. I, I love these games. I mean, I love going to the Gold Eyes. I'm going to do that probably tonight and tomorrow. Have Saturday be the soccer and bomber game day, and then maybe get back to the ballpark for the Sunday afternoon game for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. But uh, uh, it's open right now. If you'd like to go to the game, put in exclamation mark tickets. We'll give you a couple minutes to do that, and then we'll spin the wheel, uh, I guess, twice. And uh, we'll get a couple uh, couple of you uh, to uh, get out and check out Valor FC. If you haven't already before, it should be lots of fun. All right, CFL season, uh, CFL week begins tonight. Montreal and Hamilton. And lo and behold, I said on the lock shop, just wait till we get closer to game time. We should be able to get three points on the Montreal Alouettes. And that's exactly the situation right now. Montreal plus three on the road. Hamilton, a three-point road favorite. And Montreal plus 126 to win the game on the money line. Tomorrow night's game, I'm a little surprised that this game hasn't maybe moved a little bit more. BC still one and a half point favorites against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Riders still dealing with a number of injuries, including Cody Fajardo. Although I certainly don't think he's been ruled out because if he was, I think that number would significantly move up. So BC minus one and a half on the road at Mosaic tomorrow against the Riders. And Saturday night, Remo, Bombers still holding tight as one point favorites. But this game on the money line is back to a straight up pick them minus 110. Either way, flip a coin. Uh, but that being said, don't flip a coin against the Bombers because that won't make you money. They've uh, been making a lot of people a little bit of scratch that they've been supporting a week in and week out. Certainly on the money line, not always against the spread, uh, but this one essentially, even money, uh, either way, minus 110 both sides, and um, that's exactly what you want from a marquee game like this one. Yeah, Cody Fajardo is starting for Saskatchewan. Even still, BC, I mean, a couple weeks ago, was the best team. Nathan Mork uh, was the best quarterback, but I still think he's great. So minus one and a half for BC does seem seem low. This Bomber game, we're kind of waiting and seeing about uh, the offense. Greg Ellingson didn't practice today. So, I mean, it's hard to, it's still hard to bet against the Bombers. They find a way to win every time, but uh, I'm kind of leaning Calgary at home. Kadeem Carey didn't practice earlier this week because of the know, COVID and pneumonia. I'm not sure. They just wrote illness on the depth chart, but he practiced today. And we saw what Kadeem Carey did the other day. Um, against the Bombers here, running for over 100 yards. Um, so it's, uh, there's, we've got the, uh, the lines here. The Argos, who? Christopher Med in chat says, how are the Argos not favored? They're favored by five and a half. And, yeah, Argos five and a half point favorite. That number has not moved at all throughout the week. And I think I'm going to lay the points with Toronto. I'm just out on Ottawa. The quarterback situation's a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, the team is undisciplined they take bad penalties they do themselves no favors and unfortunately i think that's really cranking up the hot seat 
under Paul Lapoli. So um, you've got that. The Live Golf is available for tomorrow. Feinberg yesterday got us on old Bryson DeChambeau. He's at 10 to 1. Dustin Johnson is the favorite. Um, so you can bet on that. And of course, uh, tonight, let's just see what the Blue Jays are. They're opening up this series against the Detroit Tigers. 217, minus 217 for the Blue Jays and still minus 115 on the run line to win by two. If you've never used uh, CoolBet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. All right, last call. Anyone else want to get in on these Valor tickets? Exclamation mark tickets. That's all you need to do. And uh, Remo, I guess whenever you want, let's uh, wrap that up and uh, let's spin the wheel and uh, get a couple people set up for Saturday afternoon. Valor FC Pacific, 2 p.m. at IG Field. Sure. As we wrap it up, um, we do have some breaking jersey news. This was a big deal for me. <laughs> not not for you, apparently, but anyone who's into jerseys is going to want to hear this one. Greg Wyshynski with the exclusive report right now. Adidas won't seek to renew NHL uniform and apparel deal after the 23-24 season. They brought in the reverse retros. They came with their new, what, like prime green. They've but they did the, um, they replaced Reebok in 27-18. They did the World Cup of Hockey jerseys in 2016. Um, so what is Greg says, Adidas was paying double the $35 million that Reebok was paying. I preferred the Reebok jerseys. Um, I actually don't own any of the Adidas, Adidas ones. But I wonder if whoever knew comes in, they do some redesign. I don't remember Reebok had a big redesign when they came in. So did Adidas. Big reveal. I remember the Jets jerseys were exactly the same, but there were some other minor tweaks. So I wonder what that means for uh, Anyone apparel. but Fanatics. Anyone but and fanatics, fanatics. has taken over the jersey world. Nike's got the uh, baseball ones now. Uh, so I'm not sure. And oh, and Derek Schmidt. He says, so, so you know what this means now, now that they're changing the jerseys? So many deals on jerseys are going to be coming um, because, what, they're going to look to clear out the Adidas and bring in whoever the new one is. So I see Real Sports in chat. And I guess they'll have to prepare for a new, entirely new new jersey. So I'm curious what, what's going to happen there. Um, I found yeah, but I mean, I'm sure that's, I don't know when that deal ends, but I mean, I know 23, a, 24, a couple years. Okay. Later. So there's a, there, I mean, there's going to be new reverse retros coming up this year. Hopefully there's some cool ones that we can uh, enjoy oh. here for the jets and it, you know, obviously the other teams in and around the league. And then we'll worry about what's new after we get what's new this year when there is it's a, not, a an, it's not for a couple of years. Yeah. So we still have what this season and next season. So two years remaining exp on the expiring Jersey contract. You got it. Uh, okay, quick NFL note. I had a great morning. I was just checking in on Chiefs camp. Juju Smith-Schuster looks amazing. He and Patrick Mahomes are clicking big time. But Carlos Dunlap signs a one-year deal on the uh, Chiefs defensive line. That's a nice ad for Kansas City. We'll start doing some more training camp reports over the course of the next uh, three or four weeks. Try and go around the league. And I'm very happy to say the NFL notebook is back with Hacksaw, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton is going to join us tomorrow. Uh, we'll also have Murat Atesh on the program. Really looking forward to having Murat. Lots to get to with him coming out of Monday with Pierre-Luc Dubois, latest on the Jets offseason. And uh, hoping to have Eddie Tate as well. We will certainly set up to Saturday's Bomber game 
between the uh, Stampeders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and hoping to have Darren Dunn pop by as well and set up the Manitoba Derby heading into the long weekend. All right, Remo, uh, let's uh, get these uh, names into the wheel of winners. We'll spin them twice. Whoever wins, folks, um, you will uh, just quickly send us an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com and then uh, let us know what email you want me to send the tickets to and I will fire you a pair after you win. So, uh, Remo, let's see who wants to go to the soccer game and uh, hopefully we can make some people uh, get some plans set up for them on what's going to be a gorgeous afternoon on Saturday. Here we go. All right, Wheel of Winners. Good luck, everybody. And thanks again for uh, for uh, popping in. Now let's do the first spin, Remo, and uh, we'll see who is our first of two winners today, courtesy of our friends and proud sponsors of Valor FC and the Bombers, Canadian Club. All right, what do we have here? First winner is... the WST Hollywood Audio Gremlin. Oh, way to go, WST Hag, the audio gremlin. Okay, great. So uh, there's one pair for WST, audio gremlin, and uh, one more spin, Remo. Who do we've got? It's ending up with Gianno. No, Schickster. Oh, Giovanni, so close. All right, Schickster, congratulations. All right, WST Audio Gremlin, Schickster, send us a quick email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com, and I will send you those tickets, and hopefully we'll see you at the game. 2 p.m. start for Valor FC taking on Pacific on Saturday afternoon. Um, Great show today. I am looking forward to uh, kicking off the CFL tonight. We should mention still time to get in our weekly DraftKings contest. Uh, where are we at now with that one, Remo? I just got in. I'm glad you reminded me. Everyone else probably needs a, a, a reminder as well. Yeah, if you want to play CFL Fantasy with us, we have a DraftKings League. What is it? A $3 entry. We've been getting about 40 people in each week. And as I check, I think we got about uh, 30 right now. 32 right now. And I'll throw Beautiful. the link in. I'll throw the link in the chat to join our league. So we do what NFL's coming up. We're going to have some huge NFL. Like oh, we're going to be able to do a hundred people contest for sure. in NFL. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And then uh hockey as well. And you know, golf majors, but I guess major season is, is done. Well, we're going to the FedEx cup. I'll probably fire. I'm usually the guy that opens up the, uh, the golf contest, but uh, we'll certainly do that for the first event in the FedEx cup. I'd say when we get the full 125 and maybe do it right through the playoffs as well. I love golf on DraftKings, but tonight it's about the Canadian football league. Uh, as we mentioned in the cool bet lines, Montreal now a three point underdog. I'm riding with the Alouettes tonight. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the points and see if they can get the W on the road. And, uh, as I said, tomorrow, big show. Um, we will talk with Marat. We will set up the bombers and stamps, and we will have our first trip around NFL training camps with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. And by the way, before we go, Goldeyes fans, Michael Remus making a special guest star appearance on what is it, the American Association's Facebook page tonight during the Fish Dogs game? Yeah, check this out. Uh, my name is mentioned in an same graphic as. Reggie Abercrombie and Taylor Allen of the Winnipeg Free Press. So tonight, 
Facebook. This is an all-time moment for you. This is uh, this is what dreams are made of right here. Facebook game of the week. Goldeyes versus the Chicago Dogs. I will be featured on the second and third innings with Carter, Woodiel. Um, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Am I going to be doing color? Am I going to be... He says it's going to be like the Manning cast. Um, I'm not sure. So tune in to the Facebook game of the week. I got to study up on everyone's OPS on the gold ice, <laughs> yeah. slugging percentage, um, all the strikeout to walk ratio. I got to study up on, on my gold ice for tonight, but I'm looking forward to, uh, I'll have to, might have to do a different background. I don't think a background of I'll, hockey jerseys. I'll have to put all my baseball jerseys or something back there. So uh, tune in on Facebook tonight, American Association channel. I'll be on there. You'll Beautiful. be at the game. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go to the game tonight. I'm going to try and get to a bunch of these games. I haven't been out as much as I would have liked. And the first couple games, like first couple days of this series, weather hasn't been too great. I know they had a delay last night. So uh, tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, Saturday, though, I'm going to be doubling up with Valor FC in the afternoon. And then the uh, evening, popping out with some of the gang to uh, watch the Bombers hopefully get to 8-0 against the Calgary Stampeders. All right, gang, that is going to do it for us. Um, have a great night tonight. Again, WST Audio Gremlin and Schickster. Send us those emails, Talk at gmail.com. We'll get you set up for those Valor tickets. And, of course, in addition to everything we just promised, tomorrow, Friday, you know what that means. Marbles at the end of the show, so do not miss it. Thanks to all the sponsors that um, support Winnipeg Sports Talk, and mostly thanks to all to you for making us a part of your day. Hit the red subscribe button if you haven't already. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, and we'll see you tomorrow to kick off the long weekend at 1 o'clock right here on WST. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.